Hey, so what happened to him? Oh, they say he went crazy. Death. It comes in many strange packages. Hey, man, I don't need to be hearing this, man. I mean, kill that noise, man. Let's just get the shit. Don't worry. You'll get the shit. You'll be knee-deep in the shit. It's the invasion of the podcast. Welcome to hell! And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. I feel like with that beat intro, though, that's like my, like, you know, my fighter entrance. Like, you know, Paul, like, you know, 600 pound Stedman from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> and his opponent to his left is Steve. I think we should open every episode now with Welcome to Hell. Welcome to Hell, yeah. <laughs> I, I really believe we end that. the show with We're Gonna Get You. We're Gonna Get You. <laughs> And then open the show with welcome to I, hell. I feel like we're like purgatory adjacent. Like everyone's like, yeah, you know, this isn't the worst, but it's like, are they going to stop talking? Like, really? Like, okay. So yeah. Uh, welcome to our second episode of our October spooktacular. We're going to be talking about, um, oh, I had the information in front of me and I'm going to find it again. The film is Tales from the Hood. I want to say it was 97 when it came out. Probably wrong. I feel like it was earlier than that. It may have been 95 or 96. Okay, we're going to Actually, find it's out. a large cast, so I should bring up IMDb so that I'm not sitting here going, uh, uh, yeah, that guy. No, well, yeah, uh, um, 95. So I was I was wrong, but not by much, but still wrong, which is important for the show. So we're talking about 95's uh, Tales from the Hood in our, in our month-long trek through all things spooky and all things anthology. Um, this will be a lot of fun. I hope you guys will like enjoy the conversation. I will say this from the top, though. If you have not seen Tales from the Hood, and here's an admission, this is my first time watching it, um, stop this this podcast right now and go watch it. Because it was, like, I, I knew it was good because, like, uh, it's been, you know, recommended by others. But it's one of those things that you can hear that until you see it. Like, I was I was taken aback at how much I really enjoyed this, this uh, anthology film. So I'm going to say it again. And before we get into the actual discussion of the movie, I'm going to say it one more time. Spoilers ahead because that's that's how we do here on Invasion because I have no else no other way of talking about things. Watch the movie; it's like four bucks to rent and like Amazon. Like, do yourself a favor, watch it if you want. If you want a fun anthology film that has more on its mind than just scaring you, watch it. Yeah, I mean, once we get into talking about the film, I'll share a little bit about how I discovered it. But uh, yeah, I I think it's one of the. I mean, it's there's so many good horror anthology movies out there, but I, I would easily place it in my top ten, if not top five. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good. So yeah, we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna be talking. We have some news here. We got some Joker related news, not how you think. We got some He Man related news, not how you think. Got a secret story Steve doesn't know about. Woo-hoo. And then we're gonna have our hood of horror talk, and uh, then I have a game at the end because um, I know Steve. He's having he's having a busy month. He probably hasn't figured out what he's wearing for Halloween yet. We're going to decide tonight what his Halloween costume is on the show. It's being flown in right now. I don't know if you can hear that in the background. (laughs) 
like by prop plane. It's actually they're going to throw an inflatable raft out like uh, Temple of Doom style with your costume in it. It's actually I've just gotten so big, I've gotten so heavy that they have to fly it in. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's actually it's actually one of those advertisements that's in the back of the plane, but you wrap it around yourself. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna pick, we're gonna pick Steve's Halloween costume tonight. Um, so that'll be fun. So yeah, um, we can talk. I d- do not have. The like I didn't go to Vegas last weekend, so I don't have that to talk about. Um, what did I do? I, I well, we, you and I had very similar weekends because it's actually our birthday week here on Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, Steve's birthday was yesterday. Um, he is now uh, twenty nine years old uh, and just you know living his, living his best life. My birthday is actually tomorrow, so this is the day between our birthdays. Um, which is, it's weird. Cause it just feels like the older I get, the more people I end up meeting that have like birthdays, like all in a row. Like our yeah. friend Rich, who's been on the show talking about death was three, a few months ago, his birthday's today. So it's like, just, you can just have a whole fun week of birthdays, you know? So, um, but when I say a similar experience, mine went a little easier than yours, but in the state of Ohio, whenever your birthday comes around, uh, the state's like, Hey, by the way, you should give us $60 to, uh, renew your tags for your car. Um, so I went to go do that, but my car also needed an e-check, uh, which is an emissions check for uh, Cuyahoga County. And I thought, I'll just go to the local oil change place because they used to do that. They don't do it anymore. And mm. I don't know why. Why Why did that change? It doesn't seem to be a thing that was that hard to do. So then I had to go all the way out to an e-check station by myself. They have like a self-serve thing. So I was talking to a robot trying to figure out how to e-check my car. We got into a fight, but I did it. So I had to drive all over God's half acre to make sure my car was okay and then renew my tags. Yeah, my experience, I didn't have to renew my, uh, I didn't have to do my e-check this this time around. I will say that uh, last year when I did my e-check, I kid you not, uh, right after I passed the e-check, my car died. <laughs> um, the ignition, uh, the actual switch that, you know, you stick your key in and turn don't get it. all technical with people yeah. like i know it's uh, hard yeah. that uh, that went bad so i, I remember i remember having, couldn't yeah. turn on so talk about being frustrated um that was not a good time well at least it happened after as opposed to before and that would have caused yeah. a whole other set of problems i i i i had a similar situation whatever the previous e-check was and i i because i failed it and there was some sensor that was out yeah um i don't even remember what it was but long story short, was uh, I w- just missed being inside my warranty, oh. and I ended up having to pay like six hundred dollars to get it fixed. It, yeah, it was like the O2 sensor or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, years ago, when I, um, I I was getting a car from West Virginia to Ohio, because um, my father gave me a car, and it had to go through the like the whole registration process. They didn't chopper it in. No, they didn't chopper it in. Um, I went to the DMV and I handed them the title and everything. They're like, well, you gotta go get e check. So when did that? And they, what they did is they they ran the computer thing, but they opened the door and scanned the door, and that there's a barcode there with a VIN number, right? I go back to the DMV. They're like, this VIN number doesn't match your title. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, this is your VIN number, and this is the thing you're showing us. Um, unbeknownst to my father, because he bought the car used, the car had been in a previous accident, and the whole door was replaced. Uh, and so the e-check people didn't bother to verify if it was matching uh, VIN numbers on the title because you can check the dash too. Yeah. So I had to go back and do it again. This is when you had to pay money for the e-check. And uh, I went back and the guy's like, we're not going to charge you this time. I'm like, that's right. Like, why would you say? <laughs> <check?" laughs> 
So we're not going to charge you for our mistake. Uh, yeah, we're going like, to let you know, this one go. You know what? This one's on the house. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I got to uh, I got to go, and uh, because I had to not only renew my plates, I also had to get a driver's license renewal. I could not go to the express lane, um, which I've used in the past for renewing my plates, and it typically takes. I don't know, 10 minutes if you're doing express lane, but I got in there and I was doing the new fangled, I don't even know what it's called. It's the new fancy compliant license or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, basically it means that you can fly without a passport if, which you could still fly without a passport. No, I'm sorry. You, you have to fly with a passport if you're going out of the country. Yeah. But this new ID, which has been implemented for like 10 years now, but there's a deadline coming up. Of like next October, you won't be able to actually fly in state, like out of state, I should say, in, in the United States from state, well, anywhere. Yeah. You need this compliant license. So I had to get that taken care of, and I walk into the DMV, and I'm like, oh, uh, although this is weird. I guess it's the BMV. I always say DMV. Because that's what it's always called, yeah. but it's the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I get hung up on the technicality of that. but uh, And they made you go back to the back of the line after mispronouncing. <laughs> I walk in, I grab my little ticket, you know, the number that's, you know, your number in line, basically, and I look at it, and it's 96. And I'm like, oh, I wonder where they're at right now. I look up, they're at number 66. So there were 30 people ahead of me. And I, to their credit, they got me done in an hour. Wow. To be fair, though, I was there an hour before they closed. So maybe they were like hustling because they were <laughs> like, we want to go home and it's a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was not fun. So you got the new license. I got this one last year. I just want you to look at my photo because they made me take my glasses off that I showed this before. No. I look like I should be that wanted guy on every um, like TV <laughs> station where it's like suspected overweight white male was seen with a clown van in the neighborhood. I believe that photo will be popping, popping up in the next Making a Murderer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what's going to happen. It's so like I don't know. I don't know if the glasses would have helped at all, but they're like, don't smile either. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I, it's like, does this person just like I'm going to give him the worst goddamn license picture ever? So if he does get pulled over, they're going to automatically suspect he has a body in the trunk. It like, is amazing some of the photos that they'll like use for shows like that, where it's like, wow, like you found literally probably the worst photos of that person ever. Yeah. You know, there's never like the nice one of them smiling and happy or whatever. It's like there's never the Ted Bundy with like a whole bunch of puppies around him. You know, like, <laughs> not that not that I'm like, you know what? Maybe he was a good guy. You know, like no, I'm pretty sure he was a murdering asshole. Like so. like uh, like Charles Manson just like gleefully leading people in like a Beatles sing along or something. There's not a photo of that. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> To be fair, though, Charles Manson looked crazy in all of his photos. That's fair. That's a valid statement. Yeah. So, yeah, our weekends was dealing with the BMV. You know, it was a whatever. Mine was faster than yours, but it was just that that having to drive like out to Westlake, which I know that means nothing to anybody. But I live in Cleveland, so I had to drive out to Westlake, which is like not halfway, but it's like it's about a third between where you and I live. Yeah. And I'm now belchy because I'm upset and I've been drinking beer. Uh, but it was just a pain in the ass to drive out to Westlake and come back to like to where I was just to do this. So, and I wasn't even sure if I was using the machine correctly when I went to the little like service station thing, and it was like plug it into this port. I'm like, I, and I was like, I have to bend down and look into my car. Like, what? What's this? And I'm like, I'm like, I think this is right. And the first time I did it, it was like they're like, the 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 test results came back like negative. I'm like, 
oh no, like did I, what did I do? And I'm like, nope. Let me do the tried and true thing I learned with Nintendo games is pull it out, uh, pull out the connector and like shake it and then put it back in. The pull out method. The pull out method. Um, <laughs> I had to use the rhythm method with my car to get a reading. But no, <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty much my weekend. That and I um I watched um. I watched The Changeling for the first time. Okay. It's a it's a, a ghost film from the seventies that has uh, George C. Scott in it. Or George C George S. Scott. George C. Scott. George Great Great Scott. Um uh and I because I, I'd bought um a, a Severin, uh which is a boutique label. They they had a wonderful Blu-ray release of it and I bought it at la, uh, last spring's uh, Cinema Wasteland. And I opened it up, put it in, get about halfway through, the whole thing looks gorgeous, and then the thing just started like I don't know if it would. I put it in a different player and it was still messing up, but it would just like start moving ahead. Like it would hit a rough spot and just try to move ahead. And it kept uh, doing it over and over again. Was there a scratch in the disc? No, there's no scratch. I just, this isn't the first time I've had a Blu ray that just doesn't want to work right. Um, okay. And I tried because I was using my, my, um, my Xbox One. I know my PlayStation Four, and I put it in my Xbox One, uh, and it was still giving this weird like it. Like I put it in the Xbox One to let it play for a little bit um, the next day, and I could hear all the audio, and it was kind of doing a weird skipping noise with the audio. And I come back in, it was still fr- like a weird uh, like digital freeze frame of like where I started hitting play at. So I know it's not the players. There's something wrong with the coding on the disc. So that was frustrating because my first time watching the movie, really into it, and then everything just kind of hiccuped. Yeah. Weirdly enough. There's actually the full the full version of the movies on YouTube, um, so my wife's like, "Oh, there it is." I'm like, "Sweet." So not this wonderful restoration version. But I'm like, "Well, at least I guess see George George C. Scott yelling at a ghost house." You nice. know, good movie. Like, yeah. just took too long to try to watch the rest of it. That was frustrating. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like if you've not seen, I recommend the change. No, it's solid. There's some like like I'll, the reason I dug it, and I was about to cut you off is that with every like i'm not a big haunted house guy i'm not a big ghost story guy because it starts like it's just like it's these rules that are set up that can get broken because it's like oh it's a ghost and i don't like that all the time Mm -hmm. um but this one it was like the ghost like george c scott's character was never in danger like it was trying to like tell him something and there's a bigger thing going on but you never got the whole thing like this house is out to get him Mm-hmm. Which was kind of different. I like that. I actually felt like there was a purpose to this as opposed to, you know, well, I'm going to scare you to where you fall down steps or something, you know. So I, I, it was a different take on it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I have not seen it. Um, my favorite George uh, George C. Scott film is a uh, man getting hit with a football in the groin. <laughs> That is that is a reference to something. What is it's that? The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my groin. Was that, yeah. Okay. Um, um, but uh, <laughs> my dog would fire. Dog would fire. <laughs> the rest of my weekend was pretty decent. Uh, made lasagna. Had uh, uh, some mead. Uh, oh mead yeah, yeah. This this, had, this this mead. Yes. Talk that about you the had mead. introduced me to called uh, Crafted. Yeah, it's a, it's a local brewery. Well, Ohio brewery that makes mead. Wonderful meads. Yeah, and I'm I'm not really like I am, I am a basic bitch when it comes to my <laughs> my alcohol. It's it's pretty much Miller Lite. Like I don't stray outside my lane too much, but I really liked it when you when you'd introduced me to crafted. It was um, it was um, the like one of the peanut butter banana fosters. Or yeah, banana fosters one. Um, yeah, they like they, so most a lot of meads are very flowery, mm-hmm. and I'm not a like because mead is it's basically I mean I'm forgive my science. It's wine made from honey, not from grapes. So it's a, it has some of that wine like like tendencies. But I'm not a big wine guy. But 
a lot of the crafted meads I do like. However, a lot of meads are more flowery and I can't get behind. I don't know what crafted does, but like their flavoring of their meads is amazing. Well, Planet of the Grapes was almost essentially like drinking a glass of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, it's just uh, which, and it goes down smooth. Yeah, and it, it's wonderful. It does, like it just, I could just drown in uh, a whole vat of that. Like, <laughs> and it would be like like in Strange Brew whenever they get Rick Moranis stuck in the beer tank. Yeah, that would be me in Planet of the Grapes because it just it, <laughs> it tastes like a um a, what what not lunchable what do they call them uh, a crustable. It, yeah. it tastes like one of those. It's just, but it's so good. And you're like I'm a grown up drinking a PB. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed that, and uh, there was only one bottle, so I will look. I will I will return to where I found it and look for more. Yeah, um, like crafted. They have like a cinnamon bun, which was fun. They also have like a raspberry one. I forget the name of it, but it's done. Like the 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 label looks like um, Randy Macho Man Savage with the nice. hat and the sunglasses, <laughs> uh, and they they um they have like Conan the Samar like cinnamon roll or something like a cinnamon roll one that's like a Conan no sorry Conan the Strawberrian is what's called nice the cinnamon buns the cinnamon one but they have like they have a lot of fun different flavors that are like uh, back to the baklava. It's uh, it has like the DeLorean on it. I'm a sucker for like bad wordplay, but right. like I love a lot of their meads and like it's like ten bucks a bottle. It's not. Yeah. You know, you don't need you don't need a lot of it. It's not even like it's not even a matter of alcohol content. It's just a sipping wonderful little drink to have. I'm glad that you got it. Yeah, I really dug it. And then uh, Sunday, uh, I took in a screening of Ghostbusters for its 35th, 35th anniversary. Um, it was, you know, one of those movies that uh, we talk about this a lot on the show, separating nostalgia from a quality film um, and, you know, how you feel about something might be completely different from how somebody else does just because of the age that you saw it at. Yeah. I first saw Ghostbusters at 10 when it originally came out. And it's a movie that even if I try to separate myself from sitting down and watching it again in a theater, um, and I think in the last five years I've probably seen it at least three times on a big screen. I think once was at the drive-in and twice would be in the theaters because I saw it for the 30th anniversary I saw it like the following year on the big screen at uh, the Autorama Drive-In, and then uh, I saw it again just this past Sunday. Um, it the movie still works. Like I, <laughs> I say this, you know, as somebody who defended Ghostbusters 2016. Um, it feels it feels weird to cl- to hurl like the word classic at Ghostbusters, but it it really is. There's something about that film that is I don't want to say you know oh it can't be remade, but the, it's specific to a certain time. It straddles this line of like horror and comedy, and then PG comedy that's kind of naughty a little bit, but not mm. super naughty. Um, it's definitely a movie that I think could only be made in the 80s, at least that version of it. Um, you know, because there's smoking, you know, there's occasional swearing, there's a blowjob joke. Like, you don't yeah, there, find yeah, that in a lot of your a, family there, films There's a ghost blowjob joke. That's yeah. a de- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, but, you know, at the same time, I, I realize that while it's in my top 10 all-time favorite films, it's not that for everyone. But I can say that every time I watch it on the big screen, I see things that I didn't see in it before. Um, and the only thing that I can say that was bad about this screening, like the audience was great, but you've been to a theater where there's, you know, they adjust the aspect ratio of, like, the curtains yeah. to whatever the 
well, they didn't have it correct. So parts of the film were playing on the curtains <clears throat> for like the first 10 minutes. Oh. And I'm like, how long do I sit here before I get up and, and say something? Like, they've got to figure it out and correct it, right? They've yeah. got to. And it took about 10 minutes. And I was, I was like, just about ready to get up. And I watched <laughs> the curtains move out. And I was like, thank God. Um, I don't know. I Ghostbusters is that weird thing of I'm kind of sick of it in the sense that I feel like Trolls ruined it in a lot of ways in 2016. So you could say that you're sick of the fandom around it, but not yeah. the film itself. Yeah, I think th- I think that's valid. Um, yeah. And and two, and I, I'm actually kind of sad that like they won't do anything with two simply because it's a lesser movie. And I'll totally agree that it's a lesser movie. But there's still a lot of fun to be had in that. It's also the 30th anniversary of that movie this year. Just a bit whenever I, they, the beginning where they're doing like the emotional response test with the kids. Where it's like they give the kid the puppy and then Egon's like, now take the puppy away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in that movie. And I don't know. I wish they would have done like a double screening, mm-hmm. you know, for both films. But uh, obviously, the original is the the classic. Um, well, they they recently released a remastered version of the Ghostbusters game. That's, yeah. uh, it's now it, I have I have it for PlayStation Three, and I I have a graveyard of games I've never finished, and it's not because of lack of want. It's just that various things. However, with Ghostbusters, uh, like and people could tell me I'm wrong. Some of the aspects of it are very hard, and it's hard on purpose. Uh, but having the original actors in there with the script that was co-written by uh, Ramus and uh, Aykroyd, you should do yourself a favor and look up some of the cutscene stuff and just some of the interplay between the guys, because they let Bill Murray just riff and it's just mm. fun to see, like to get that kind of vibe back. Cause it's like, he, he said repeatedly that he didn't want to do a new one because it's like, we're well past that age. And, but yeah. they're like, no, 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 we'll set this in 93. And he's like, okay, I'm in like, he did like, it didn't take much for him to believe. Like I can inhibit, this character then mm. and with the way this game's going to be set up i can look like me then that's a much more believable scenario for the story uh and it's just fun hearing them all back and forth with their banter and, and everything so you should check out some of it because it's the humor is pretty much it's still there and it's just it's fun like then it's like an unofficial third film i've heard people say that they kind of think of that as a third film yeah so i i'm honestly and i'm sure there probably somebody is has already done this but I'm surprised somebody hasn't just edited together the the scenes and just made a cut of I'm, it. I'm sure they're. I'm sure it's available. Like yeah, yeah, I just. I my intent is to go back and finish the game. We'll see. Not not anything. <laughs> I just. I'm so bad about it. Like I just like I just so. And plus, not to get into this because this is not this time. But I'll get into a little bit. The game when originally it came out, it was um it was uh, I want to say funded or at least the, the the distributor was supposed to be Atari at the time, and it's not the Atari that you know. Like Atari, the name has changed a lot. And when they were supposed to release, it was like October of, I forget when, like early, early, or mid 2000s. And they put out, like, I was working at GameStop at the time. And before the game came out, they actually put out a promotional material. They'd always kind of do this for other games to tease things. And it came in a shoebox that was like printed like the kick trap. So you oh, got yeah. my attention. So that was fun. You open it up. There's some press materials. There's like a making of DVD to show like the people coming in to pre-order the game. But then they also have this, uh, they actually had like a metal. It wasn't, it wasn't an actual license plate, but it was a piece of metal printed like a license plate that um, it said Ecto one. And it had um, where the registration stickers would be. It would say November 08. That's actually, I think what it was supposed to come out. So it was like this nice little ad. The yeah. moment I saw that, I was like, that's mine. And I just took it. <laughs> um, 
It's currently at my desk at wor- where I work. Okay. Because uh, it's the Ecto One plate, and yeah. it's like it was the greatest thing. And then the game got delayed. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when it finally came out, people were excited. Maybe Atari's one picked it up. Then I forget. Either way, like the, one of the producers that was supposed to be doing it fell apart, and then somebody else picked it up, and it delayed it like another year or two. But I was so excited, and just had the rug pulled out from under me again. So it was one of those things where I'm like. Like, this is still great. I would have loved it a year and a half before, so I'm going to, you know, anyway. That's so are you going to get the remastered version? Um, And then not finish that one, too? I don't yeah. know. I'm going to, like, I, th- th- I know we don't talk about video games in here because Steve is still working on his Amiga, Um, you know, that he has, his ColecoVision. I'm um, not moving on until I beat Mike, beat Mike Tyson. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, he, he's still building custom tracks in the Excite Bike. Uh, no, um, I, I started playing Borderlands 3, and that's where I'm, what I'm playing right now. I know that means nothing to you, but it's, it's a fun. Oh, no, I love Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. I used to get books there all the time. Yeah, yeah that's the, this is about like you know the, the this sci-fi future where the original world of Pandora is set on not the one from Avatar. It's like basically imagine Mad Max as a planet. Okay, and so you got like a bunch of these like you know bounty hunters. They're called vault hunters, and like like different type of Mad Max vehicles. And then this third game is like, yeah, but what if we go look at other planets? So it gets to all these different sci-fi landscapes. It's a lot of fun, and the humor is very sophomoric but hilarious. Like it's very much. It's like, I'm sure if I was in high school, I'd be cackling at all the jokes, but I still enjoy them. <laughs> so that's what I'm playing right now. All right. Yeah, I know. Neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, that was our weekends. Was I played some Borderlands. Steve doesn't know what that is. You watched some Ghostbusters, and I just we told did. a story that had nothing to do with like the movie, but the video game Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It's what we do here. That's what we do here. So did you stand up at the end of the screen and be like, you know... The new one's better, and like walk out and see people just like. <laughs> and then I was tackled at the uh, exit and beaten. Like, like, like literal toxic masculinity just came over, and just like, just washed over you and just like took you away. No, I will say that I was surprised. Um, there was a like intro to the film, and it was Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Fallout Boy. Yes. And, uh, Ivan Reitman and Bill Murray, and I was like, oh, wow. "Wow!" Like I was kind of surprised to see that they had gotten him for it because he's very non-committal to Ghostbusters in a lot of ways. Because I keep wondering if he's going to somehow pop up in this film. I feel like if they, if this Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters 2020 is going to succeed, it would need Bill Murray's involvement in some way. Doesn't mean he's got to be in the entire thing, but. I think he needs to be involved in some way. And I was like, well, there's no way he'll just show up for the 35th anniversary. Not like he was at the theater, mind you, but like, you know, I I doubt they'll have gotten him for anything. But it was interesting because, you know, it was maybe like a 10 minute intro of them talking about the movie and, you know, Bill Murray being Bill Murray talking about how like Harold wrote a really great script and Dan wrote the rest. Um, <laughs> and uh, they they showed two like un unused alternate versions of scenes. The first one was uh, an alternate cut of them coming out of the hotel lobby after catching Slimer. Okay, so you get some like dialogue changes, mainly Bill Murray trying things out, and then the same thing with the mayor's office scene with you know Dickless and all that stuff. Um, I'm so, surprised they didn't show like the extended sequence of uh, Dan Aykroyd having sex with a ghost. Uh, you know, I because that was a whole thing that was like shot, and yeah. then like they just edited it down as part of the montage. And I think some of that made it onto the latest edition, which is a 4K release. But I don't have a 4K player, so I was like, 
I've owned I don't know how many different versions of Ghostbusters at this point. Uh, I've definitely had it on VHS. I know I have it on DVD. I have it on Blu-ray, and I'm sure that I bought it like on, you know, eight track at some point. But uh, it's, I would like if the 4K release is called Ghostbusters. The Dan Aykroyd ghost scene section <laughs> version. You know. But I, I do know that it had more material on it because the Blu-ray that came out five years ago is like, well, this is pretty much it. There's probably nothing mm-hmm. more that they can show us. And of course, they were holding back things for an eventual another release. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought for sure that there was going to be some sort of sneak peek. I thought. I didn't think it was going to be anything special. You, you but didn't I, see the sneak peek. It was called Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, so I just assumed it was going to be like, and now a 30 second, like, you know, yeah, here's the Ectomobile on the street. Just, just Melissa McCarthy getting hit by the Ecto one. Is right. that what like, no, that's no. how the movie opens. No, that, that'd be sad. Like, I, I like, I like the new, newer Ghostbusters. I think I did too. And, and I think it has a lot of the same, like weird like hangings on at the first film i know we've talked about yeah. that and i think it's fine i just i feel like either they it was one of those things where they wanted to be different and then they they weren't different enough and they wanted to like stay in the lane but they didn't stay in the lane enough like it just became this weird yeah kind of like they're trying to serve two masters and didn't quite work out that way and unfortunately the worst two things in that movie are dan Aykroyd and bill murray yes yeah their cameos are terrible absolutely so all right harold ramus this is fine like his was good. It was just a stone head because he wasn't around. Um, and Ernie Hudson's was great too. Like Ernie, it was, yeah. Annie Potts's is great. Yeah. Annie, Sigourney's in like the end credits, but yeah, hers yeah. is a great scene too. Yeah. So, all right. Enough about all that stuff. Let's just, um, let's get to some more, um, I don't know. I don't, not out, out not outrage. Let's talk. We've talked about some movies and people's feelings about different versions of films. Yeah. There you go. That's my pivot into our news. everyone you like that i'm using the the official podcast term pivot like you just pivot into the, the what you're doing i like that i will like always pivot into an ad break we don't have ads <laughs> i will always just associate that with the uh friends episode where they're moving a couch oh i don't think i've seen that one uh is it called the one where they move a couch is it, that the it might actually called? be called that yeah. but it's just the whole thing is like uh, they're trying to get it up some stairs and the entire time ross is just yelling pivot <laughs> That that feels very appropriate. And um, then Chandler's like, "What did you mean by pivot?" So, yeah, <laughs> um, that's there every go. episode of Friends. Though, <laughs> yes, Chandler says something witty. And could could Chandler be any more Chandler? Oh, that's right. Uh, 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 um, do you think that's why uh, Bing is called Bing? Is just because it's like it doesn't really help you, but it's just annoying, and you're like, oh. <laughs> right. like my old job. <laughs> this is completely off topic, but uh, um, the. Uh, the the version of Microsoft that was on there would try to make me use Bing. It was like, oh, I see you're trying to Google something. Wouldn't you rather go to Bing first? Nope. No, I type Bing, Google no, and, and, and for I, a reason. Where I'm at work, um, we have we have uh, Windows like support, and we have to use um, Explore or Edge or whatever it is, and yeah. its default is. Like if you go to type eight, because normally any like like with Google, like with with Chrome, you just go into the search bar and type, or the like whatever you just type it in, and it'll show yeah. up through Google. It's like I'll, I'll fall in that habit. It's like I start seeing the Bing icon. I'm like, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so I, I look like an old person where I'm like, I'm gonna type Google in and then go to Google and then Google it. You know, yep. so um, it's it's forced to happen now. Any browser I'm in, I'm like, I, I type in Google first and then Google it. <laughs> So, all right, uh, the Joker film came out this past week. Steve's seen it six times already and loves it. Um, so that's what he's telling me. 
Yeah, I saw it back-to-back screenings right after and before Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've not seen Joker yet. No, I haven't, and I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to fit it into the busy October schedule. Yeah, well, like I was I was at work uh, a couple days ago, one of my coworkers that he knows, he watches a lot of comic book movies too, he's like, ah, so what do you think of Joker? I'm like, I haven't seen it. He's like, yeah? And I'm like, yeah. Like, he's like, so not a priority? I'm like, I mean... If I get to it, I'm not like, I mean, this will be, I'm not, I'm not dismissive of the film in that sense, but it's like, I, I don't know. Like there's been a few of these where I'm like, yeah, if I, if I get to see it, like, I, I feel like you have an obligation just because of your, like from, from your own fandom of Batman and to the Joker. Fair, people said the same thing about Superman and Batman. I still haven't seen that. That's true. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this one's a little different than yeah. that. Um, so I like I do want to see it. I just haven't really had the opportunity, nor have I carved out the time to have the opportunity. I guess I'll put it I, that way. I'm also curious to see where it's gonna fall for me because there seems to be like no middle ground for people. It's either a masterpiece or an utter piece of shit. I I don't know. Like there's no middle ground uh for the reviews I'm seeing. So yeah. I'm curious to see what which one it falls under. <laughs> right. So um th- that the story isn't that. The story is that uh there's a brief little tidbit in an article on IGN about uh Jared Leto was upset about this new Joker film. But like when we say not for the reasons you think, I, I think th- it's it is the reasons that you think. It is that <clears throat> He was the Joker in Suicide Squad. He was upset that that, that film actually shot a lot of sequences with him, and then they trimmed a lot of it out. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see any of that. It's not like a Snyder Cut version of that out there, but there was more given to him, so he really got into this character. And I know Steve also, being the big Batman fan, has not seen Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and his portrayal of the Joker, I thought, was fine. Like it was, you know, he he did more of like a street level like gangster like kind of unhinged type of thing. And I, whatever, I think it's almost, it's, it almost feels like it's an unwritten rule now that if you're going to take on the role of the Joker, that you have to find an angle that has not been played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, how many angles can you find so far? We have what four or five, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he's upset that he felt like he wasn't given like the, like the, he was kind of run over in Suicide Squad in the sense that he was only up for a little bit. And then there was talks of making a, a, a film with him and Harley Quinn called like based off of Mad Love, um, which I know yeah. you know that that story. Um, and then there was supposed to be a standalone Joker film. It was supposed to be all this extended DC stuff that DC was really getting into. But then Suicide Squad came out and made some money, not everything. And then they started to have like Justice League kind of fell on its keys. And so DC backed away from all that. Yeah. And then they went ahead and greenlit this one. So he feels he's upset because he didn't get a chance to actually really do anything with the character. Yeah. And I understand his point of view. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody should be pissed, it's probably Ben Affleck because he didn't get to do his own Batman movie. That's No, that's fair. <laughs> that, that's fair, too, but, yes. Um, and I, I certainly understand. <laughs> Put the both of them in a film. See what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, I understand why he would be unhappy that they're going forward with a new version of the Joker when he got one bite at the apple and didn't get to do much with it. Well, and then his scenes were cut. We just talked about the trailer for the new Harley Quinn and birds of prey, maybe film. Yeah. Um, and it's the same actor playing the same character. And they distinctly refer to Mr. J in yeah. that trailer. So they're talking about Jared Leto's Joker, mm-hmm. but he's not in that. And he's not in, um, Oh, there's another project the, the, the next suicide squad. He's not in that either. So, yeah. Well, I, I guess, you know, when it comes to Jared Leto, I, I honestly, I don't have, because I haven't seen the film, so I, I have no, like, bar of comparison for his performance. But um, 
you know, I, I get why he's upset, you know, and I believe DC is using their, you know, whole, we're not doing the Marvel thing because that just doesn't work for us, which is, means we didn't it, plan things out the way uh, we should have. Worlds of DC or, or uh, Elseworlds or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. And so I think the idea is that they can coexist, but it does present a problem like if they want to use the Joker at some point, like who do they use? You know, this new Matt Reeves directed Batman, will they invent a third Joker? Will Harley Quinn, if she's involved in that film, be Margot Robbie or somebody else? Yeah. Like it it asks a lot of questions of like how do you track what these films are supposed to is do. Is Ed Norton the Hulk or is it Mark Ruffalo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little different scenario. A little like, different scenario, and actually, is it Eric Bana? I don't know. As much as I like Ruff, Mark Ruffalo, I still do not understand why people are like, "Oh, it wasn't he 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 wasn't the Hulk wasn't good until Mark Ruffalo took over." And I'm no, like, I I thought that I, Ed Norton I, I, did a great. I liked job. his take on the character, yeah. and there, he recently someone asked him about that stuff too, and he was like, "Yeah, he wanted to take it more like a Dark Knight, like gritty." Yeah, and then Marvel's like. At first they were like, yeah, but then they're like, no, we're going to go this direction. And they kind of like everything kind of just didn't work out. That's fine. You know, yeah. like if there's a creative difference, I just I feel like, you know, like I, I'm not going to besmirch Edward Norton's portrayal on that. Um, and I'm not like, again, I haven't seen the new Joker. Um, I like I will see it. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, in the theater or not. Yeah. I, I feel like I do owe it to go see the theater. I just don't know if I'm going to have time, um, especially like like we're starting to hit that point in the year now when like like everything's going to start coming out again. Yeah. Like um, I know um, they did the next week. Uh, Jojo Rabbit comes out. That's the um, uh, Takiya Watiti like uh, Hitler farce. And yeah. I'm just like, if I have to put my money somewhere in my time, it's going to be there, you know. Um, mm. And then like, um, what was it? The beginning of November, Terminator Dark Fate comes out. And then I think sometime after that, Knives Out comes out. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to that's going to get my attention if I have the ability and time versus Joker. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there was all this worry about backlash of this film with the violence haven't seen that yet i'm glad yeah um but i also wonder if some of that was kind of cooked in to kind of maybe make it taboo to drive some of the initial front-end ticket sales i don't know it's possible um it's also possible that uh the vocal because i i we, we talked about this uh when the story first came out like three weeks ago um, you know, there was a very vocal group who was like, I don't know if it's the right time for this type of movie. And while uh, I typically find myself siding with a lot of the viewpoints of some of that group, I don't like, and we had a whole discussion about censorship or pre-censorship in a way, but I do wonder if that vocalization has sort of taken the piss out of you know, any originality that might have come out of that. Like if somebody was thinking about doing something, well, you I, know, considering I, that film, what was it? The hunt got pulled. Yeah. I and just, then, and, and that felt like, I don't know. And it's going to be, we, we talk about like right place, right time, a social commentary, uh, which I think is going to feed in greatly into our discussion about tales from the hood. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that there wasn't like, cause there's always that fear now, right. That there's going to be that one thing people are going to gravitate towards and be like, Oh, that's going to cause problems. And someone's going to do something. And the, the film, you know, films, number one, in the country, I don't know what kind of legs it has. I don't think it's going to, I think it was one of those things where, because, um, lesser things have triggered, um, not triggers, is that the right word? 
other other unforeseen people being terrible have happened for other lesser things that I could see why people were apprehensive about this. But I feel like because it kind of gave it like this taboo feeling, mm-hmm. it, I think most people would be like, yeah, what's going on with this Joker film and go see it. I think that this burned some of it. This is my pure speculation as a person who's not seen the film. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, strike my comments. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, but Jared Leto's mad. You can get a chance to another crack at the the, the Joker character. I don't blame him. But I, your your comment before started recording was, well, Suicide Squad should have been a better film, which you've not seen Suicide Squad. I would agree with you, though. It should have been a better film. <laughs> like, I don't think he was the problem with it. Like, you'll see it eventually. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see that, like, oh, there's that's okay. Well, why they do that? Like, that's it's almost back to back every time. of like, yeah, no. Like, that's that whole film. Well, that that's, you know, again, I always, and this is another issue that I take with the Joker, is uh, Todd Phillips, you know, has gone on about how uh, he wanted to do something that wasn't inspired by the comics and a brand new take and da-da-da-da, and it's going to be wholly original. And uh, I, I tend to find with adaptations, the closer they stick to the source material, typically the better the films are. Uh, a lot of times DC will make choices where I'm like, why, why that? Like, well, why is that also, the it, direction that you're going it, in? It also sounds like that he's discrediting like what came before, right? where I feel like, um, and this is me being a Marvel honk. Like, um, I, for whatever reason, I feel like the alchemy that Kevin Feige has and the people create the, during the Marvel films, they're able to find like the thread of why people resonate with those characters and they can tell, you know, newer or different stories, maybe not like beat for beat, like the comics, but enough like, um, the, the two Spider-Man films, like you get like, just, they get Peter Parker so well. And it's like, and they, Mm -hmm. and it just, it's not, it's not beat for beat everything we know about Spider-Man, but it's enough that's aligned with why we love Spider-Man. Yeah. So for him to be like, this is going to be something completely different. It's like, so, so what about what about the aspect of the Joker then draws you into it? If you want to say this is going to be completely different, mm-hmm. that feels that feels odd to me. If you're going to be like this is going to be a different take, then why not just make a movie called Sad Sad Face Paint Man? You know, <laughs> like whatever, right? Like just then do your own thing. Or just like, call it Clown. Clown. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Just. <laughs> Wa- Joaquin Phoenix and his very very bad not really good day or whatever it's called. So yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I we could talk about this forever and uh, I I can't I I don't know I'm always just surprised by the decisions that at least the last ten years of DC films have made. You know, it's one thing if you're talking about Superman four and canon. It's another thing when it's Warner Brothers and um their two biggest properties yeah so. i don't know so all right moving on uh talking about properties and, and things uh so um the report is and i say this like i'm the one that they're reporting this just in you know you know from the helicopter in the sky <laughs> steve's outfit's dropping soon and also this story now uh uh, re- <laughs> uh sony may sell the he-man movie to netflix so uh, Steve brought the story up to my attention. I didn't actually see it until right before we started recording. Uh, so there's been talks of a Masters Universe reboot in terms of a film. We just recently talked about that for our year of canon a couple episodes ago. Um, so um, they it said a 2021 release date for the film, but now there's talks between Sony and Netflix of selling that film to Netflix. Um, and you brought up that Kevin Smith is actually be working on a Masters Universe uh, cartoon series yeah. for Netflix. 
um, and your take on why you think this might be happening is really interesting. Yeah, I think honestly, what would drive if I'm Netflix, the thing that would drive me is is that uh, everybody is splitting up their streaming services and their IP, um, a large majority of which you know Disney now owns, particularly since they acquired Fox. You know, there isn't going to be that much left that's going to be already known and has a 30 30 plus year like baked um, in baked in audience that you can just grab and make something with now doesn't mean that like people are going to go gaga for it simply because of that it has to be really good i think to get people interested in it but well, yeah they, netflix has had it's what seven seasons now of that voltron legendary defenders like they brought that back really yeah um i i watched i watched the first half of the first episode i liked it it's, it was one of those things where i started watching and i'm like i gotta go and i stopped i didn't get back to it but it, it looks fun like it, it's voltron it's goddamn robots that become a bigger robot that that is my wheelhouse <laughs> right there <laughs> um they did that and then they also have um oh what else did they they actually like the castlevania stuff that's not exactly Exactly, you know, it wasn't like a known animation property, but that first season was spectacular, and I've heard nothing great, nothing but great things about the second season. Yeah. So you're right. There's that mindshare of like, well, what's out there? What will people already be associated with? What can we do? Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, I, I feel like that's probably got to be Netflix's play, particularly since they're already producing a cartoon series that's going to be done by Kevin Smith and uh, some of his uh, writing friends. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, we talked about this during the Masters of the Universe film film discussion on Canon. A, a new He-Man movie's been going around for like ever. Yeah. So, who knows if this will even come to fruition? But it certainly makes it, sense if, to grab what, yeah, what if, properties if does, you can at this point. If they get it early enough, then not that I'm saying that this puts Kevin Smith in a, in a particular situation, but it would be a interesting synergy. If Netflix was like, because the same thing, like the Marvel stuff, where it's like, we're getting this film. I know you're making a series, but is there a way that we can attach the two? I don't, I don't think that's the worst thing, mm-hmm. you know. But it, they shouldn't do a DC thing where it's like the movie is movie is different than the cartoon. Kids aren't going to understand that. Yeah, I mean, maybe they will. Maybe kids are smarter than I think they are. But this is the opportunity. No, nope, they're all idiots. <laughs> uh, maybe it's an opportunity to actually have some like synergy. I don't know. You heard me. I said yeah. your kids are stupid. No, that, that's that's a hot take that I agree with. Kids, kids are <laughs> I was, stupid. I was pausing for for a laugh there, and it didn't happen. I so. was too busy. I, um, then, I was trying not to be gross and burp on on Mike, but it was like I was having like this uh, like spasm, like I uh, like just like you know whatever. It was, but <laughs> yeah, something was happening. Um, so I, yeah, whatever. I, I think if, if so, um, who was it? Was it Paramount that sold? Um, the Cloverfield paradox to Netflix for like uh, I forget it was a, fair, yeah. like a, a decent amount of money, and it was one of those things that when you look at like cost for production versus like them doing that and then also advertising for a film they know was kind of broken. Like it's a certainly it's it's a watchable film. I watched it the night because the Super Bowl teased it. I was like, well, this is my chance to watch a Cloverfield film with no expectation, and somehow it still was lower than that. Like when I got <laughs> done with it, but it still got me to the service and still got me to watch the film. Yeah, and it got a lot more eyes on it than I think probably would have been had they actually put in the theater and so netflix got a win by having a cloverfield associated product and paramount was able to sell it at not a loss i'm not saying that netflix needs to become like the used car lot of properties but i think there's a certain amount of like hey this makes financial sense where we can win and you still bring an original content to your service and the problem is that some of netflix's swings have been they've been misses 
So who knows where this the Sea Man film really is in terms of like is it is it good enough that it could stand in the theaters and make people excited for it or or not? I don't know. Yeah, I mean for every Stranger Things that they have, they're gonna have you know four or five OAs. <laughs> Like there are shows, and I and yeah. I don't even know the quality of them. But my wife will pull something up, and it'll be like Netflix original. I'm like, I've never heard of this. Oh, it's got four seasons. What the hell? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, there was a point I think, and I it's still going on to some extent. And I'm sure they're going to have to tighten their purse strings at some point. But it felt like Netflix um, and Amazon's kind of doing this a bit now too, where they're just like, you got an idea, we'll give it. You know. <laughs> Six seasons. I you, you didn't see the South Park. It was from a couple seasons ago where they made they made the whole joke about how they're going to like do their superhero like the kids are going to come up with their superhero ideas, but it wasn't about like the comics. They had this whole big like whiteboard written out for all the movies and tie-ins, mm-hmm. and they called Netflix and they're like and they're like Netflix, thanks for calling. It's like yeah, we have this idea. It's like okay, six seasons, you got it. He's like I haven't even told you the idea yet. He's like, do you want more money? Like it was this whole thing. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. So we'll see what happens here. Um, either way, I just if if we get a, a fun quality Master Universe film, I'd rather I have to go pay money in the theater to see it or pay money via my I'm already paying via Netflix. That's fine. I, I mean, but I Sony, you know, like the, basically the the rumor of this is that since like they've had some kind of wobbly films as of late, like per, their standalone stuff, like mm-hmm. the Men in Black, um, was it Universal? No, International. I don't know. Men in Black out there a lot. I don't know. Didn't do well at all and kind of like tanked. I think it should have been just Men in Black, like Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would be great. Um, so it, 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 since it didn't do so hot, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of wary of like the, these, unless it's like Spider Man, and I think they're kind of wary of their of their properties. And I mean, honestly, I can't speak to Men in Black International because I didn't see it. Um, but it took. Two I would have loved if you had seen that before you saw like Suicide Squad <laughs> and Batman vs Superman. Be like, I mean, you know, I'm an MIB head. <laughs> I mean, it, it took two actors that I like a great deal and put them in a trailer that just didn't look all that interesting. <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it that way, but I think you described like the 2000s in film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like Tessa Thompson? Great. You like uh, Thor? I can't even think of his real name now. I feel bad. Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, you like Chris Hemsworth? Do you like Thor great. Hemsworth? Here, here they are in a movie that's not all that interesting. Like it just, it didn't look like yeah. it was doing anything. And I don't know. It, maybe it's a great movie. Can't say. Uh, maybe it's more of an issue of marketing. But I don't know. yeah, I don't know. Sorry. All right, last story. This is a story Steve doesn't know about. So, um, does it involve Men in Black? It, maybe. I mean, so um, the Philadelphia Flyers, the hockey team. I don't know if you know them or not. Um, they have the mascot Gritty. I know you've seen Gritty. I, I know <laughs> Gritty from uh, John Oliver. <laughs> I love Gritty. I love that he's become like this like mascot of like I, like everything. Like it's just it's just yeah. Um, so they recently opened um, what they call um, their disassembly room. It's a rage room that you can pay for like before a game or after a game that you can go into this room and they have like TVs and other objects that you can just smash and they charge you a fee, but you can just go in and just break whatever is available in the room. And there's like an observation window. People could just watch you break shit. Okay. And they said that like in some of the objects, there might be hidden logos of the opposing team. <laughs> so um, this is the first of its kind in a sports stadium here in the U.S., uh, but there's been like other businesses in the U.S. because this was something that started over um, where they say uh, was it Japan? Um, yeah, I think this started in Japan. 
uh, like about 10 years ago, they said, and it's kind of made its way, you know, West. Uh, I was going to make the joke today on Facebook, but I saw the story already. I was waiting to talk to you about it. I was going to be like, Cleveland's had a rage room forever as a sports fan. It's called Cleveland. You know, like, <laughs> so of all these experiences that you pay money for, how would you feel about paying for the opportunity to go into a room with just like a baseball bat or a sledgehammer and just break shit? How would you feel about that? So I have been to, um, I feel like more than one event. Uh, one of them was a haunted house and I can't remember what the other one was, but, uh, I've been to places where it's like, here's an old car, five bucks. You get to take a sledgehammer to it. <laughs> Um, so, so it became the mini game from Street Fighter Two. Yeah, it's like, test like, your might. Like that's that's more combat. But yeah, the whole beating up of the so car. Yeah, you're like trying to see like how much damage you can do to this car with you know a sledgehammer, and it's an old beater that's going to go to the junkyard anyway. And I I believe I have I've done it at least twice. I'm sure it's been at other events. <laughs> so. Uh, I do not have a problem with. Uh, I just want to believe this was a like, rage room, like out the parking lot, like someone didn't know. You're like, hey, five bucks, you want to take a swing at this car? <laughs> you're like, sure. And then you leave. The guy comes like, what happened to my car? You know, the guy's that like, would have been amazing. screw you, dude. I got twenty five dollars. And I think it was more if you wanted to take a swing at the the windshield, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you could, you could basically, I think you got like three wax for five bucks or something. <laughs> That's like the most American thing I could think of, like charging money for the destruction of property. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that they need to be more more rage rooms. Like obviously sporting events, I feel like, uh, you know, people that are upset at the way movies end, like, you know, people that have their opinions, they should have a room to go in because I don't want to hear it. Just go rage. Although to be fair, though, most of the time that, you know, I have a rage that's going to, you know, that would cause me to, you know, I guess cause some sort of physical damage. I don't know that the situations are ever like sports or entertainment related. That's fair. Um, yeah, um, I'm never gonna like you know watch a movie and walk out and be like, I need to break something. You know? Okay. No I matter mean, how bad it is. What about the new Ghostbusters? I'm joking. Uh, no. Uh, so yeah, I, you're right. Like the like I. The, the most I've ever done in terms of like when I've been mad, actually two things. One, in my old, old, old car, I got upset about something and I was in my, in my car by myself. I, I punched the inside of my windshield and, and it actually cracked. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. Like I was, I was mad and I'm like, why did I break my windshield? And it was like the spider web top left corner. And I'm like, it'll be fine. And then it was like that, that, like two weeks later it was like that first cold night of the fall and i turn my heater on i hear and i see the spider web go all the way around the edge and i'm like yeah i should probably replace my windshield it was like a 200 hour like lesson of like don't don't punch that when you're angry um and then i like door frames like if they're good enough for an earthquake they're good enough for like if i'm just frustrated about something that that's about that it i don't i don't break i don't throw things i don't break things because i know i'll not be mad eventually and then be mad that I broke something. Yeah, I mean, I I believe I've broken things in anger in the past, but like usually after I've done that, I'm like, what the hell? Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, never like, oh, that was a good decision. Like as, as mad as Overwatch makes me, like, and and I know Mary could testify. Like she could tell when I'm playing because I have my headphones on, and I've I've tried to find this balance of like not actively being mad the entire time while playing, but ever so often she'll be in her office working, and I know she just tears me just out of blue, and be like "f you," like just yell at the TV, and it's like, mm -hmm. and I never talk to any human being like that. 
except when I'm playing that game, they can't hear me, so I just yell yeah. out into the void. But it's like I've never take I've never taken the controller and twist it and want to break it because that's sixty bucks, you know. Like so, yeah. Maybe I need like a small rage room after playing Overwatch and I just wander in and break something and walk out. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like it's like everyone's like, oh, it's frustrating being a Flyers fan. It's like screw you guys. Like you, you know, the the Eagles just won the Super Bowl like two seasons ago. The Phillies have won the World Series and like like known like not not in the last last couple of years, but. People people were around when they won. Uh, the Flyers won the Cup in the seventies. Like Philadelphia, and, and like you've had sports success. So sorry that the Flyers haven't won recently. You yeah. know, like guess you got to have a rage room. You know, like I can see Cleveland just having like a, you know, we're just going to five bucks. We're going to look away. I do not care what you do in this room. You know, I mean like, to be fair, I think maybe it's more appropriate at like workplaces. <laughs> Because I, I think workplace anger is probably the most common thing that people Oh, have. if I had a room, yeah, that would be pretty great. I'd, just, I'd be like, I just need a minute. I'd be like, where's Paul going? To the rage room. Like, he's yeah, stealing. like, <laughs> oh, where are you going? I'm taking my 10-minute break. I'm taking my 10-minute rage break. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'd be like a mini purge. Like, every like hour <laughs> on the hour, I'd be like, I just need to have this out. Like, yeah. So, all right. Um, okay. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, that was, that was some fun talk there about all that stuff. So let's go from all of our talking about rage to talking about some outrage. There Ooh. you go. That's another great pivot. Uh, as we talk about, um, our more spooky October stuff with, I forgot the year again. It was 1995, 1995 tales from the hood. And now for our feature presentation. I like how we're both like, just drink real quick while the music's playing. Just drink, just drink. Get get beers, it's fine. Just just do it. He won't hear me opening this beer. (coughs) I just cough while it's happening. Like either that's a normal sounding can of beer, or I have a real problem with my lungs. Like, um, so we're continuing on our October anthology stuff, talking about ninety-five tales from the hood. Um, So this was my first time watching it. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Again, if you've not seen this film and have any interest in horror and anthology horror, stop listening and watch it right now. Four bucks. Go watch it. Um, But Steve, you said you'd seen this previously. Yeah. So I was introduced to... Well, let me go back. I... I don't really remember why I didn't see it when it initially came out, but I do know that at one point I was of the belief that it was just a spoof film. Yeah, no, like and I can tell you why. Because I was in high school when this came out, and it's it's the it's the poster and the title, and I and I feel bad in hindsight. Yeah, after watching, because one, it's a quality film, and two, like I, I get that like what uh, Rusty Cundiff was going for, like, but at first blush, you just see and it, it feels like it's a joke. I mean, there's comedy yeah. to be had in this, but. It's like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just, it, it didn't ring for me, like, at the time. I remember my first trailer that I saw for Shaun of the Dead, I thought the same thing. I thought it was a complete spoof. So it wasn't until, like, people start talking about Shaun of the Dead that I, I sought it out. So um, flash forward to 2000, probably 2017 uh, podcast that I listened to called Shockwaves. Um, they started talking about it. Um, they show, Their show... Um, the first like hour of it is just them talking about what they watched recently, and then the the second hour is usually an interview with somebody in the industry. Oh, so we're copying the first part of the show. It's yes. not the second part of the show because <laughs> we don't know anybody famous. No, no. Um, no. So the most famous person I know is Steve, and that's he's right here with me. He has a self published comic. God, book. that is that's, so sad. Yeah, I mean, I did once have to buy to sell hockey equipment sight unseen 
to someone representing Leslie Nielsen. To be fair, though, you know somebody who was on the commentary track for the thing. That's true. So but I also I had to fit hockey trumps. equipment for Leslie Nielsen. Oh, I guess that's fair. Yeah, but, well, just because the lady was like asking all stuff, she's like, this is around the time when he was doing stuff for the Ohio Lottery. And, okay. and she told me she was for the Ohio Lottery. And I was like, she's like, oh, he's kind of a big guy. And I was like, is it Leslie Nielsen? She's like, I can't say. And I'm like, is it Leslie Nielsen? She's like, yeah. So I had to like, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I held hockey pants that Leslie Nielsen wore once for nice. a commercial for the Ohio Lottery. So. That's not really someone like, hey, come talk to the guy who sold the pants to somebody later that put them on that was in the naked gun. I mean, you did meet Falcon. That's true. You I met Hen- Henry Winkler? Yeah, and it, what was the gentleman's name that I kept trying to sell him a comic book at? Uh... Ari Gross. Yeah, I met him. Yeah, so you know of more famous people than, than say, myself. Um, um, but, uh, no, uh, that podcast, they were kind of raving about it and like, oh, this movie is really a gem. And it, it needs to, you know, we need to get it out there that people need to see this movie. So I, I, I can't remember if it was around the time that I had subscribed to Stars or, ah, I think it was when I subscribed oh, to Stars. It's for still available Ash. on Stars, by the way. So okay. that's, if you have Stars, you can watch it for free. Yeah, I think well, it was for the third season of Ash versus the Evil Dead. I think it was when I watched it. So probably last year. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and I just I fell in love with it, and it was totally not the movie that I thought it was. Yeah, that's and that's but from every, all intents and purposes, I didn't think this was going to be the movie I thought it was. I, I, I say this knowing what's coming next, but I will say for a movie that's not called Tales from the Crypt, it's the best Tales from the Crypt movie. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's the so like we didn't really get into it uh, when we talked about Creep Show. Like we talked about it being like a throwback to the EC Comics, you know, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, Haunt of Fear. Um, this this is firmly like you could tell with the name Tales from the Hood. Like uh, Rusty Cundiff, who was the director, and he and he wrote it, co-wrote it with Darren Scott. Like you can tell that this is something that like he loved. You could tell these are things he grew up with, and he loved it, and was was putting because it's the anthology in the sense it has a frame story. You have um, these three uh, guys, uh, gang members that are trying to collect drugs that were like found in an alley behind a funeral home. And they go to to the funeral home that actually is um, run by a Mr. Sims, who brings the men to the funeral home. And, and along the way, he starts telling them the stories of the various people that are like that are now on display in the funeral home and their fates. So you have this frame story of these guys that just want to get you know their drugs and get out, and him telling these morality stories. And I will it, say it's a wonderful frame. Yeah, I mean, as much as I love Tom Adkins and Creepshow. Um, and yes, there are a lot of films with wraparounds. I, I think it actually is probably one of the best wraparound stories for uh, any of the anthology films that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, the actor was Clarence Williams III. And I kept like he was wonderful in the film. I kept thinking like, man, it'd be really great if we can get an update. But they made a sequel and I think yeah. he's a part of it. Maybe. No, he's passed. Oh, so not really then. Yeah. Did they Keith get Lawrence David- Fishburne to come no, in? No, they got Keith David to come in. <laughs> And Perfect. That's I, great too. I haven't seen the sequel yet. Um, it's on my list of things to watch, uh, and I think it might actually be on. It's Netflix on Netflix. Now. Yeah, that's on Netflix. Um, which is also it's written and directed by the original director, yes. Rundy Cundiff. And is it Rundy? I keep saying Randy. Rusty. Rusty. I'm sorry, Rusty Cundiff. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I was like, am I wrong? I no, might it's be wrong. Rusty. Okay, <laughs> Rusty Cundiff. Randall Cundiff. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but like this gentleman, the guy, the, the Clarence Williams III, I kept getting like a Lawrence Fishburne vibe from him, like just because he had like that look, and I could also see Lawrence Fishburne playing like this kind of like, he just 
was just weird and uneasy the entire time. I loved his performance. I did. I really did. But I it. love as the story progresses, he sort of chews the scenery more and more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, he clearly knows what film he's in, and he's really enjoying it. Um, and I think his performance is one of my favorites in the movie. It's probably one of the sweatiest performances I've ever seen, too. <laughs> in a film. No, um, so... Um, I don't know, like, we can get into the segments and we will, and we'll talk about some of the actors involved in the segments, because there's some, I, I have some really interesting, not, well, my thoughts aren't interesting, but just watching some of that I stuff. I have interesting thoughts I have, about this. I interest. have, welcome, welcome to Interesting Thoughts from Paul Stedman. <laughs> um, no, uh, so, um, with, we, we've been talking about anthology horror and how it's important, it's these quick one-hitters. Um, this one, like, we didn't really get into about Creepshow because it really wasn't, trying to say something. I was just trying to entertain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about like, you know, be careful what you wish for or whatever, or, you know, um, don't be a bitch to your husband. Or yeah. Or, or, like, or don't, don't touch that meteor. Cause you get meteor shit all over you. you know? Right. Um, there is a social consciousness that does permeate a lot of anthology horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I say this because I've, you know, one strange highways would, you know, with the show I did talking about the original twilight zone, um, you could tell Serling knew that the anthology, like horror and sci-fi, like there was a gateway there yeah. to tell interesting stories. And you could even see that with some of the later stuff that came a couple years later with Star Trek, where they could like tell an interesting science fiction story and say things without directly saying them. Mm-hmm. So I think that that there's a history there of like, you know, you could tell a 22 minute story and still get something across like uh, like the monsters are doing Maple Street. Like there's so much going on there or like I the beholder. Uh, those are you know, classic Twilight Zone episodes that are telling you a horrific story about what's going on. But it's 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 digging at something deeper. And with this, uh, with Tales from the Hood, it, it it's taking me to a place watching this that. It is still telling these stories that you could tell, like, you know, not around a campfire, but they're still spooky stories that have a lot of social forbearing on them. And I think that's what really, like, I mean, the film's like, it, it's, it's, it's directed fine. Like they're like, like the, the, the middle segment with, um, not the middle segment, the second segment with the kid and the monster and like under the bed, mm-hmm. there's a couple of bits in there. Where I'm like, holy crap, they're doing this. And it's amazing. The, but the film is very functionally correct and it's, it, it's fine. Like there's nothing that takes away from it. Um, it's more the intent that, and the earnestness of the whole film that really won me over. And what it, each segment had something to say. Yeah. And, like, and it put me in a position because, spoiler, I don't know if you guys know this or not, Steve and I are both, uh, you know, uh, just white dudes in Ohio in our 40s. Um, so so we can't necessarily relate to everything going on in this film, but the film does a good job of putting it out in front of you and making you stare it in the face. Like, yeah. And, and, and I, I, I respect the film because of that. And I mean, I, I said I watched it, you know, last year for the first time. And it's, well, that's before you became woke. Yeah, well, it's, it's eerily, unf- it, it's it's eerily. What's the word I'm looking for? Because I don't want to say it was ahead of its time because it was no, problems no, no, no. that were happening it, there. No, it, it, it's, it's it's eerily still resonant. It's unfortunately aged really well considering the climate. Right. Yeah. yeah that's but, what. I, yeah. So it, it's like the 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 themes and the messages. I, I wish they had aged. I wish they had been like, well, that's not happening anymore. But. It's it's so all all of these stories and I don't know how to like how to approach this because I'm not nuanced enough to say this they're all they're all written from it's called tales from the hood and Rusty Cundiff has seen different aspects of 
you know, the African-American experience in America and different elements of like police brutality in one situation, domestic abuse, um, um, uh, what do you call that? Not institutional. Yeah. Institutional racism. Uh, and then even like, um, the rehabilitation of prisoners. I mean, this, this is, might be shocking to some of you, but this, this movie actually includes a politician who um, doesn't uh, shy away from white supremacy. I don't know. <laughs> With the last name Duke. <laughs> it's, it's surprising to me. Like, that's, that's yeah. so far from the reality. Oh, wait. No. No. That's, that's but, pretty yeah, much what we're living in now. That politician was, a, a act, was the actor was Corbin Burnson, uh, who you guys might know from uh, Major League or the director of Christian Mingle. I was just going to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's uh, Roger Dorn, or the guy who runs a bike shop in Christian Mingle. If yeah, and right also thing. the director of Christian Mingle. So, uh, I mean, also an equally horrific film for entirely different reasons. Uh, so, just not which also made me, which relevant. also Steve made me watch. Uh, <laughs> we all know Lacey Chabaret is the devil incarnate. So, um, anyway, so with this, so I, I just, I guess, I also want to say, like this, this film also, and you talk about have its time. It's, it's not in terms of its theming, however. Um, we talked recently, like a few months ago, about us, uh, Jordan Peele's film, and then how his other film Get Out. Like, I don't know if like if those films would necessarily exist without something like Tales from the Hood, because you you mm-hmm. you know he watched this, you know he ate it up because he loves horror, and he was probably looking for voices that were somewhere to his own, and and this is probably one of those ones. Like, I'm, I'm assuming, but I don't think I'm far off. Like, the dude is now the face of the Twilight Zone, yeah. where he brought a lot of different voices and a lot of different takes. Uh, for the new CBS All Access season of that, which if people have not seen, um, it's worthy of checking out. Is it uneven at times? Sure. But is its heart in the right place of being like, we're going to get weird, but we're also going to get social? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a Twilight discussion. It's my my point of reference with a lot of this. No, no, I'm just saying that like... um I think it's the second to last episode, and I can't remember the title. I wanted to call it the most uh, most unusual camera because that's an a- episode in the original. Oh, the second series. episode of the new series was called uh, Replay. The Is it the talk- second episode? I thought it was like way later in the season. You're talking but- about the video camera one, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah, where Replay. the mother and the son are going to college, and yeah. she's going to drop him off. And she gets and- pulled over by this uh, this uh, very imposing white officer, and every time. And this camera can yeah. rewind. And like no matter can, what she does, it keeps ending in with horrific, yeah. involving this white cop. And it is, it's it's a rough episode, but yeah. it's it's an interesting sci-fi story. But it has a lot of commentary. And the ending of that is also kind of like a, oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you slipped that into this film, oh, it, it would have fit, fit perfectly. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what is great about what Peel is doing with the Twilight Zone. And I'm really hoping, and I, I believe it's already been set up for a second season. Yeah, it's right? been renewed it's, for a second season. Yes. Okay, um, you know, I, I again, I say this not having seen the second one, but this is a movie that I'm like, wow, why isn't there more of this? Because, and I'll admit, I'm part of the problem because I brushed it off and didn't watch it yeah. when it first came out, and I, it's. It's unfortunate because you look at the people behind it, you're like, holy crap, Spike Lee produced this. Like, yeah. how did I think this was a, a, a spoof film? You know what I mean? Like, I just apparently didn't pay close enough attention to it. But as much as we can talk about the social relevancy of it, the other aspect of it is is it's really good horror. Yeah, no, that I mean, I don't want to bear the other thing. I guess it's that, bearing the lead a little bit in the terms of like, this is supposed to be our October like horror thing. Like, no, no these are all like really. They're like, both important. I yeah, just, yeah. It's like sometimes you might get one more than the other, and it's equal here. 
and yeah, they're both I, I just feel like of, and... of the four four films, sorry, five films we're going to cover this this month because we did a creep show last last week. We're doing this. I, mean, I know you have you had three other things picked out for October, right? Cause we well, we're doing a year canon. Oh, we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. anyway. That's, that, that thing, that's happening. So anyway. Um, see, we just might say, screw it, we're going to watch another anthology film. That's fine. Um, well, yeah. I, um, so, but they're all anthology adjacent or anthology films. But yeah. but the other three that you have, like the one you picked out already and the next two, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get there, um, they don't have the commentary. Like they, they have like wicked streaks running through them where we're yeah. like, Oh, we understand what's going on. But this is the, this is the most like conscious, like of like, yes, this is a horror story. Horrific things happen to people. Um, but there's just more. And I just, I didn't want to short short sheet that because it would be like, I'd recommend this film as a good horror film. Like it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun as an anthology film, but it's also one that you're just like, you have to watch it. You're like, damn it, there's something else going on with this. Like, yeah. And it, it, it just has to make you pause and think. Um, and I, I I feel like it would be, I wouldn't be doing the film any type of justice if I didn't speak to that up front. And I, you're right, it, the horror, if the horror was lame and just kind of like, no, 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 we're going to guise this all in a horror film, but we're going to be super heavy-handed, then I'd probably would have been like, I respect it, but I'm toning out. I'm done now. I'm done. But no, this is equal parts. And it's, 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 the, all the little segments are, are a lot of fun's not the right word because some of the stuff they deal with is not fun. Oh no, it's all horrible. Yeah, like the, the yeah. when I say it's all horrible, I mean the subject matter. It's all awful subject subject matter. It's yeah. things that you wouldn't want to deal with, and that's what makes the horror. I feel like the last segment more... just pulls the rug out and then like this is what you're looking at right now, and yeah. it's like it's so. But when you get to that point, you're like, I don't feel good about any of this. Like, and it's and purposeful. You know, yeah. Um, so I, where do we where do we go from here? Like, I feel like I'm like, yeah, it's socially important. Watch it. Horror's good. Like, so I mean, yeah. maybe we should just discuss like, not go through them beat by beat, but the the four main stories. I mean, we've we've kind of discussed the wraparound. Yeah. Um, and you know, it it basically starts. The film starts off with three guys going to a mortuary thinking that they're going to be able to score drugs there simply because they heard a rumor that he's come into accidental found a bunch of drugs in the back yeah. alley or something yeah um or uh, i shouldn't say accidental but like he's not a drug dealer it's not some place that they would normally go for that but yeah. they end up in this mortuary and the um the mortician uh who is uh played by uh, Clarence Williams, Mr. Sims, yeah. is telling them as he's going through the the mortuary stories. He's he's your crypt keeper character. He's literally a crypt keeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He literally is. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Um, and so the first story that he tells is about um, a gentleman who is a councilman, um, a black councilman who is basically. He's he's he stopped by the cops for no apparent reason. Yeah, and then as he's like saying the same thing to them, they break his tail light, and then they're basically like, "Yo, like, do, what are you going to do about it?" And he takes a swing, and then they're like, "Oh, fine, we're just going to beat the living crap out of him, like to, almost to death." And there happens to be a rookie cop in the car behind that sees all this. Who happens? He's also African American, and he's like, "No, no, no, what are you guys doing?" They're like, "Just get back in the car. You don't know what's going on. This guy pulled a gun on us." And yeah. he, he doesn't say anything, but he realizes this guy's an important political figure that's actually trying to improve the neighborhood. Yeah, and um, they end up killing him and basically planting heroin on him. 
Yeah. Um, essentially, one of his big crusades was is that he was tough on drugs, basically. So they made him look like he was like a uh, like they put they put actual like drugs in his trunk, trunk, and they put like they they shot him up with like something a needle, mm-hmm. and then so then you you find out that the the, the black officer is he quits the force. He's guilt ridden about this, uh, and it's like for a year. Like he's been living with this guilt, and then, but the the councilman is like you know reaching out to him, like yeah. you, he's like, you know, basically you need to bring them to my grave, and it becomes this thing of like you know, it it escalates real fast, and I I, I don't know how to put this, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and and say this in the way that I I mean this in a good way, but also <laughs> it's awful as well. Um, Wings Hauser, uh, I believe it's, uh, um, oh God, is it Michael Massey? Yeah, it's Michael Massey, Wings Hauser, and I think the other, yeah, Dwayne Whitaker, um, who everybody will know is Maynard from Pulp Fiction. Um, he's also, uh, Scum from, uh, uh, Hobgoblins, which is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 <laughs> favorite, but uh, they play three. Co- they're the three white cops, and oh, oh my god, Michael I, Massey was fun boy in the Crow. That's yeah. where I know him from. They're, okay, that makes so much more sense now. Okay. They're so extremely awful, but they're very good at doing that. Like it's, they're really good at making you like just detest them. Yeah. Um. It, so they're they're. It it feels weird to be like, oh, it's great acting. I hated them so much. Um, and when they get their comeuppance, um, which happens later in the uh, a little bit later in the sequence, um, it's it's sort of wonderful to see. Uh, you he, sort of take delight in watching them. He was fun boy before he was in this, so you're like, I feel like he got typecast as like you know yeah. that guy. <laughs> no, so so the the justice is metered out to them, rightfully so. And, but I, but I also liked, isn't the right word, um, socially and thematically appropriate that the cop that didn't actually say anything at the time also faces, uh, punishment. Right. And I think like that was really interesting to me. It was just like, you think you're off the hook? Like, why didn't you say something? Right. Like that was, I wasn't expecting the film to go there. Like, and it was like, it, it was that, that twilight zone, like, like stab in the chest of like. Oh, just because things worked out doesn't mean it worked out for you. Yeah, like and he, and I, I thought that was cool. He ends up being haunted for the rest of his life. He's basically in an asylum. Yeah, um, and he has to live with that choice. And yeah, so it speaks to like guilt. It speaks to like uh, police brutality. It speaks to like you know, it just there's a lot going on there that I was like, this is a good ghost story, and there's some gross effects, and it's Wings Hauser, which he just. <laughs> I, Wings Hauser, like if you do, if you saw me, you know who he is. Like the guy, just he just looks like he has a punchable he's a character. Face. Actor, yeah, just, yeah, he plays like a, it just looks like he was just built to be a, an asshole. Like, like that's, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the sequence works really well. Um, and I, I guess we may have skipped over this, but you know, um, the councilman returns from the dead oh. to take his revenge. Yeah. So I apologize for sort of skipping that, um, but. Again, the performances are really good, um, and God, with the rise of body cams and the things that we've we've seen in the last say five years, it's even more resonant now. Yeah, like ugh, um, that was the one that when I was first watching it, I was just kind of like, 
Jesus, it's well considering that they use some of the first person perspective in a later story. Yeah, it, it's like you know, like the like found footage kind of notion. It's like that. If you were to do another one of these stories now, it's like it would be, you know, like how do you even do that? And it'd still be creepy and wrong, you right. know. But yeah, like even then it was still like they could get away with the count, like with lack of accountability if everybody kept the secret. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that doesn't so much work now. But yeah, a good story, like good story in the sense of storytelling, not a good story as in terms of what happened. No, no. And that's, that's why I, when yeah. I was talking about the three actors playing the police, I was like, uh, it's. It's not even a love you love to hate them. You're just like God. I hate those guys. Like, but that's tough for an actor to do. Like, they don't. They don't. I. You know, it makes me wonder. Like, with all the actors that are involved in this, like, um, you have to wonder about the comfort of of everybody on set. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I'm not like you. You're dealing with racially charged issues and racially charged characters doing racially charged things. So how do you, how do you go? Okay, this is all acting. We're all pretend. I'm saying utterly terrible things to you and it's like, and I'm selling it. How do you shake that off on both sides? You know, like um, I know um, speaking of Spike Lee, he was the producer on this. Um, I don't know if you saw black Klansman uh, from last year. I haven't yet. It's on, it's, it's in our queue. It's really good, but it's like, you know, it does one of these things like at the end where it's like, Oh, this was a story from the seventies. It's still happening. Like this whole thing of the same just pushes it back in your face and to remind you. But, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Eric Foreman, Venom, um, what, Topher Grace. Um, <laughs> okay, it's Eric Foreman, Venom. Yeah, and Topher then... Grace plays David Duke in that. <laughs> okay. And he talked about how he was in such a weird headspace that all he would do is go to his garage because he just he was reading David Duke like biographies, watching documentaries. He didn't feel comfortable being around his family because he just felt like icky. So he just went into his, his garage and would just like edit. Like we talked about yeah. his, uh, he, he did the edit of the star Wars films, yeah. but he did like a big edit of like the Lord of the Rings. Cause he was like, that's all he's like, I would just do that and just get away from people. Cause he didn't feel right. And it's like, how do you, how do you do that? And then there's times in the film where he'd say things where he's like, Spike would just walk up to me and whisper in my ear and be like, say that next. He's like, I don't want to like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, oh, and I, I can't think of the name of the actor now, but, uh, there's a similar, um, piece of that in star trek six were oh god i i i'm i'm blanking on the actor's name but uh essentially there's a sort of uh parallel for racism going on with the klingons in that film oh is it christopher uh, Plummer? no it's not christopher Plummer. he's he's one of the admirals um oh and i think he's in like a kill uh, to kill a mockingbird or oh god can't think of his Pretty name. sure Gregory Peck wasn't in the Star Trek Six. No, he was not. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, anyway, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I apologize for for blanking on that, but it was a similar thing where that actor was talking about, like, even though we're talking about aliens and we're in the future, he's like, it, it just felt awful saying these things. Yeah. You know. So, and also we just joked about Corbin Burnson. I cannot even believe we'll talk about his segment in a little bit, but it's like the things that he says that are so bold faced. You're like, ah, how do you not just immediately say, "Can we cut so I can go throw up"? Yeah. Like, just immediately. So, um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, that's it about the first segment. Well, the next one was called uh, The Boys Do Get Bruised. This one was probably my favorite one just because of some of the visuals. Um, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, this is probably my favorite one. I think it's also the one that's the least... Because uh, it is socially relevant as well, but it's 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 
like you you've almost well, got a it, sick it, feeling watching yeah, the first one so, so yeah the, the, it's a relief when you get to this one because you're like jesus that was awful not but, in a bad way but i mean it was just like oh that's that's horrible well this was still horrible too and it still deals with these like some of these other issues too where you have yeah but you get to see some sweet come up and so no that's that's true yeah this one <laughs> the, the, the 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 bad people get get bad things happening to them so yeah uh, you got this thing where a young boy's in a new school and um, he is trying to adjust and he ends up getting bullied by some kids. Uh, the teacher comes out. The teacher, played by uh, Rusty Cundiff, the writer and director of the film, uh, is trying to, to reach out to this kid named Walter. And as he's like talking to the nurse about the, 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 uh, the fight, the nurse is like, well, he has this black eye that he's had this for a little bit. And he's like, well, who gave you the black eye? And he was like, he wouldn't talk about it. And yeah. it just turns out like, he's like, did your mother do this? He's like, no. It's like, did your father do it? He's been dead for a while. It's like, then who did this? He's like the monster. And so he wouldn't say anything other than the monster. And it, there was this telling bit where you could see the nurse kind of roll her eyes, be like, well, somebody did this. Right. And then at one point, um, like no one's believing the kid. And the kid was like, the monster said no one would believe me you know and it's like that's a very like oh man that sucks type of yeah. moment so the teacher investigates further and goes to uh talk to the mother um and then you find out like you know they moved recently because he wouldn't stop talking about the monster uh, he keeps drawing pictures of this um and there's something else with the pictures too we'll get in a second but then you find out that maybe uh there's actually a new boy there's a boyfriend in the picture that's played by david allen greer at a the most horrific David Allen Greer uh, bit I've ever seen. And you start to wonder if it's maybe him or if there's an actual monster right. involved. Um, and so the teacher's trying to figure out what's up with this. And there's also this like possibility that the kid is drawing pictures that can actually uh, can manipulate reality with the pictures he's drawing. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, uh, and again, because we just came off a of creep show, it's the first thing that comes into my head, but um, this is a, a better version of the wraparound story. Uh, yeah, it's definitely better Creepshow. than the, the Joe Hill, Tom Atkins thing. Yes. Um, because that ends with a voodoo doll being, you know, uh, the substitute for dishing out uh, pain onto Tom Atkins. Whereas this the little boy draws the, the things that are because uh, he doesn't just draw the monster. He draws a kid who beats him up. And uses that as a way to he crumples the picture crumples up, and then next thing you see, the kids getting loaded on like into the back of an ambulance, yeah. like a stretcher, and the guy's like, "It's weird, he fell out of steps, but broke both arms and legs." It's like, and no one's like, "Yeah, that is weird." It's just more like, "Well, that kid's messed up for life." Like, you know, how do you, you know? But um, the thing about this segment I liked a lot, and there's the whole thing too of him at nighttime, and you see like the the banging at the door, and you see the claws and things. There's just I don't know how they did it, but there's a, there's a sequence where. He realizes he's in trouble, and David Allen Greer's character is walking to the bedroom, but you hear his voice distort, yeah, like the mo like a monster. And there's some really cool shadow play that happens where whenever he first enters the room of the bed the bedroom, you see the silhouette of this monster, the horns and everything. But then David Allen Greer walks into frame. I don't know how they did that, especially at that time. I don't know how they did that. It was a really cool effect, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is going to be one of those stories that isn't really supernatural. It's just going to be this kid actually identifying this bad thing because his, his father has passed, and it's, it's it speaks to the the great idea of like kids being raised without fathers, yeah. and the the abuse that can happen with that. Like not not that I'm saying that every kid that you know doesn't have a father and ends up having a mother with a boyfriend that that boyfriend isn't automatically a douchebag. That's not true, but 
It does happen. Yeah. Um, I was like, holy shit, they're going there where this kid just just is identifying him as a monster. And then it takes a turn. But that's that sequence though, I, I talk about this this film being like directed very workmanlike. Like Rusty kind of directed this film like like well. It, yeah. There's nothing lacking in the film. I just didn't feel the stylistic like flares to it. I just feel like some of the some of the visuals are kind of interesting, but they're like the camera placements, whatever they were. But that bit of him walking into the room and seeing that silhouette, but then seeing him was awesome. Yeah, I I feel like uh, similar to the discussion that we had with George Romero, Rusty kind of is also somebody who's more focused on the storytelling and not doing it in a flashy way. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes complete sense. Uh, and even um, which segment was it? It was maybe there was one of them where they would do the actual panel transitions too, where they would kind of shift. It wasn't this one. Wasn't the last one? There's uh, one of them where it kind of did like the comic book panel shifts too. Not not directly, but it did like frame yeah. like one sequence. We're going to pan over to the next sequence. Yeah, because uh, you so you could tell it was kind of wearing you know his influences on his sleeve, rightfully so. Um, and I feel, I mean, I don't know if Romero ever watched this. I hope he did. And I hope he was like that. That's what I'm like. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, Romero was also somebody who did not shy away from putting his, his outlook on his films, you know, um, obviously with night of the living dead, um, being about, uh, racism, um, to day of the dead or dawn of the dead being about commercialism to Day of the Dead being about uh, Florida the being a terrible place. <laughs> I was going to say more about the military. Oh, but, that's uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and Land of the Dead's about how Pittsburgh's a hellscape. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I I I think that uh, you know Romero was somebody who didn't shy away from that kind of thing, and I I feel like this would definitely have been in his wheelhouse. Oh, I think he ate this up. I hope he watched it and yeah. was just. I hope he saw it with his really big glasses and was just like just tickled the entire time because, uh, like again. If he hadn't done what he did, that would have wouldn't have laid the groundwork for a lot of other people. Yeah. But but the way this this thing ends, where the kid like draws a picture of the monster and he's like you know fighting everybody in the kitchen, and then the, the kid folds over the arm of the monster drawing. Oh, that visual is amazing. You see David yeah. Greer's like arm just fold over itself, and it's like, I, you know, again, I'm sure I could figure out how they did it, but it looked really good, and yeah. it's like it was like in the way they, the practical of him getting folded down and everything was like, and him still alive and just being like, you know, in agony was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, and then Rusty Cundiff telling the kid, he's like, you know, he has the open flame of the picture. He's like, you know what to do. And it's like, yeah, you tell that kid set that thing on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that I think is like, you expect it to end with him just being like broken and beaten. Nope. Nope. They light his ass on fire. <laughs> Which, so then it transitions back to the, the funeral home and you see the burnt remains of him. And yeah. the, the, so I was reading some of the trivia. Like, there's very little trivia about the film. I guess in the TV edits, they put the boy in the coffin. Yeah. I'm which, like, but the, but then how did he die? Right. Like, you know, from like too many high fives about how awesome that was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, that was my favorite segment just because I just like I wasn't expecting the visual that they did yeah. with the monster silhouette. And then the practical of the twisting and squeezing of David Allen Greer. And just, I just, that story, like, it had a very Twilight Zone aspect of, like, you think this is going one direction. By the way, the kid has drawing powers. Like, it was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And I I dug it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. um, Again, it's, it's, 
God, because I, I don't want to say it's lighter because the first story is so heavy because it's not. No, this deals with abuse and all that shit, but it's it's more but I think it's more fantastic. That first, yeah, yeah, I think coming off that first story, it is a little bit of a relief. <laughs> I feel like the Rusty Cundiff went to like Steven Spielberg. He's like, I have an amazing story, and Steven's like, No, not no, <laughs> no. This, that's an amazing. That that is amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that would work for our show. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, I, I can only say that, you know, I think it's my favorite sequence, but it's only because I think it's it's the lightest, I guess, of the the three. Although there's some fun moments in the next segment yeah. that we're going to talk about. So the next one's, I didn't realize these said like the titles of the segments, but this one supposedly is called KKK Comeuppance, which I think is, you know, that's... <laughs> Um, it's appropriate. That also feels like that. That feels like the name of a bakery in the South that just sells cupcakes. That like, um, you know, um, and it's not not the fun kind. Uh, so you have Corbin Burnson, who is um, uh, uh, like I like how Wikipedia labels him as obnoxious and racist Southern senator and former member of the Ku Klux Klan, um, and he's uh, running for office down there. I think he's running for is it senator down there or president? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he ends up taking residence in a house. Uh, in the southern, they don't say which state it is. I don't think so. That is was formerly a plantation. That, as the story goes, the owner, once the Civil War was ended, instead of losing his slaves, decided to just burn them all and like you know bury them on the property somewhere. So him moving there is like one of those things. That, like you talk about a dog whistle. This is like you know, not just a dog whistle. It is like a uh, I don't know train whistle like blaring loud to his base of like, Oh, well I'm going to move in the house with the slave owner that killed all the slaves. You know? So there's protests outside the house. He's just, he's trying to like, basically he has a um, PR guy with him that is basically trying to be like, well, I want this to be known, but how do I spin this to where people will still like me? Yeah. Like type of thing. And it's like, at first I'm like, wow, this is rough. And then it keeps getting rougher and rougher as it goes along. Um, and then outside there is uh, somebody who lives locally who's yelling at him saying, you know, the dollhouse will come get you. Like the like basically saying the house is going to to set right what you're doing. And there's this whole um, story of that like once after the slaves were killed, a lady moved in and actually used voodoo and actually put all their spirits into dolls. Yes. Because that because they couldn't find peace. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that and I don't know that it's directly Refer- I, I shouldn't say reference, but I don't know that it's ever been directly acknowledged. Um, and I should just say this. Um, I purchased the Scream Factory version of the film. Unfortunately, I did not get to dig into the uh, special features for this episode. So I was hoping to have a little bit more enlightenment, at least on some of what went into making the film. Um, but unfortunately, it's just been a crazy week and I did not get to some of those. I'm looking forward to still being he, able he's to. He's not to... been served at the BMV yet. Yes. They're still waiting. <laughs> like, but if I'm... he gets called away right now, it's because his number is finally pulled and he has to go do it. So. But I'm hoping to get into those. But um, the story itself, I believe, takes some of its cues from the Zuni doll um, story in Trilogy of Terror. I don't know if you've ever seen that. So that is the Richard Matheson Trilogy of Terror that he wrote the stories for that. And the Zuni doll one is called something as Karen Black. I yes. forget the name of the segment. Uh, it is him redoing his attempt at the Invaders which is the Twilight Zone episode. Ha ha! It's coming back. Um, I've not seen Trilogy of Terror. I've heard great things about it. I need to watch it. Um, so the idea of something occupying a small object 
that yeah. has like an intent. And I'm not saying in conception. I'm just saying that like in spirit in, of in spirit. <laughs> no of, pun yeah. intended. Yeah. Uh, it, like um, it's very similar because uh, trilogy of terror is probably one of the best TV movies. Like. Seeing it now and realizing that it was, you know, in the seventies that it aired on TV, so, you're like, here, here, wow. I'll, I'll call my shot. How about, how about this, Steve? I know we're supposed to do our year of canon for October, and everybody's probably like, you know what? We're a little, little tired on year of canon. What if, what if we do trilogy of terror for the last week of October? Okay, and then in, our, in November, because it's a, it's a horn of plenty, we'll we'll throw out some additional canon then okay. at that point. How about that? All right, sure. there you go. All, All right, right, you guys, we're going to watch Trilogy of Terror, um, and then we're going to talk about... I've never seen it, so okay. this would be a good time to watch it. So. Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely, again, like I said, I, I don't think that it, it's inspired the story, but I think it takes some of its cues from it, because it's very effective, and the way the puppets work in this are very similar to that. Good, I, I'm and looking forward to that. sort of the yeah. horrible awfulness that happens because of it is... is uh, it's... It's it's something where you're like, wow, I don't know that I should be this frightened of something that's you know twelve inches tall or, or less. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's very effective. So I mean, I wasn't the original segment called Toy Story, wasn't that what was really originally called? No, I'm joking. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. Think so. No, we'll, we'll watch Trilogy of Terror. I'm excited to talk about some Richard Matheson. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and then we'll just like we'll just, we'll we'll backload some can <laughs> afterwards. It'll be great. Uh, so yeah, this one it's just Corbin Burns and he's like, I don't believe this. Like the whole thing about the dolls. There's a mural of the older lady uh, that has a doll in her lap, and then there's like like you know 15, 20 other dolls around her. Uh, and he keeps saying, like, the moment I win, I'm going to paint over this mural. He ha- his PR guy is also African-American, and he's trying to teach, like, show him how he would spin things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole segment of him. I'm not going to repeat anything that that guy says. None of the cause nothing, well, God, nothing, no. nothing that Richard uh, uh, or Corbin Burton, I don't know what Richard Yeah, but his from. assistant says something about, like, about guns. Yeah. Like, and it, uh, his, uh, his assistant, Rhodey. I don't know where that's appropriate. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a bit where he's holding a video camera, like trying to get Corbin Burson's character, like, like coached up for how to deal with the, the PR and the press. And they make a joke that's horribly off color. Yeah. Like everything. And then while he's like, no, 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 this is not what you say. He's like, so, so then he, they switch cam like, like Corbin Burton's holding the camera originally. So his assistant's holding the camera to kind of like, you know, back and forth, whatever. And then eventually his assistant's backing up towards the stairwell, which again, regardless of what happens next, not a good call while you're not watching what you're doing and walking backwards towards a staircase. Yeah. He um, stumbles over a small doll and trips and falls to his death while Corbin Burns is holding the camera, just filming this the entire yeah. time. And it's like, as much as his, he's an unsympathetic, unsympathetic character, it's like, you still got a feel for him being like, I'm running for office and this guy just rolled down the steps in front of me and died. Shit, like, like that's a thing. Like, and so you find like you know there's the there's the doll lying there, and then uh, as they're at the funeral, he ends up getting in the limousine, and the, the doll's in the limo, and he was like, "Who was in this limo?" And the driver, who happens also to be African American, he's like, "No one." And so he take so Cornbridge takes the doll and just chucks it outside. And I like that there's that bit where you realize the doll had to make it back to the house. Yeah. You don't know how long it was running from the graveyard to the house, <laughs> um, but it makes it I back. I like to think it's got the same powers as, like, you know, any slasher where, you know, <laughs> just somebody... walk at regular speed and you're going to get there like yeah. double time, yeah. But then, like, it, it's coming back in the house, and Cora Burton looks up at the mural, and there's an outline, a silhouette, like, there's a white outline of where that doll was. Yeah, it was a nice visual. I liked it. So it becomes like almost like a, uh, a child's play thing of this doll. 
like taunting him and stalking him. And he thinks he has the upper hand and he's saying terrible things the entire time, getting more and more racist if possible. Yeah. Uh, and then he thinks he's killed this thing, which but I just want to point out that he takes it and pins it up to a dartboard in a crucifix type manner. That's very similar to the first story where uh, when we had the, the councilman talking to the, the African-American cop in his dreams, he was crucified. Yeah. I don't know if that was a callback to the first segment, but it felt like it was. Um, and so over eventually, you know, uh, Corbin Burtz's character is like confronted with with more dolls. And at one point, he takes an American flag and is using it as a weapon. Yeah. And like, how much more literal can you get where he actually slams the flagpole against um, the the portrait and it starts bleeding? And he's this white guy just beating this uh, portrait of an African-American woman with a bunch of, like, you know, dolls that represent slaves that were killed. Like, yeah. it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's comedic, but it's, like, the darkest of dark, you know, in terms of, like, humor. Um, well, also the use of the American flag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's literally using it as a weapon, like, batting it against a mural of, like, you know, this terrible tragedy. And then him later on when these all these dolls start showing up and start, like, attacking him, he's taking the flag and putting it in front of him almost like, like you know, a barrier. And it's, yeah. like, it's all, it's all on purpose, but it's also very, like, oh, well, this guy's freaking out. Of course he's going to grab something, you know? And it's just, wow. Like, I was like, this is... Like it's on the nose to the point of breaking your nose, but it's needed. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly has the possibility of going. I don't want to say too far, but being too on the nose, and it it, it dodges that line pretty well. Um, I think it's it it uh, kind of stays away from going to that ludicrous point to the point of like, oh, this is <laughs> the only part that I thought was a bit much is whenever you see the like the the picture, the image of the old woman in the rocking chair vanish mm. from the wall. The shits are showing up. Yeah. Like rocking and just watching. Like, I'm like, it makes sense. And I'm just like, huh, did we need to go that far? I, I didn't like, mind that. It was okay. But like, but Corbin Burton, like it's one of those things where it's like, how do you, how do you walk away from that being like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay as a person. <laughs> like, right. Like, <laughs> you spend, you know, probably eight hours, you know, that day <sighs> saying like, just the most awful things. Just, and just the moment it was like, and hey, cut it. I'm sorry. 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 Do you guys want to watch Major League? You know, that's that's also weirdly racist, but not the same way. Like that's you know, like yeah. Like who wants an Indian side cap? Like no, no. Like anyway. Um, so that one was like probably the most like it was it was not fun in the, like what was being said, but it was probably the most fun as in like you know this guy's a bad guy from the get go. Yeah. You know he's going to get it, you know like. And I just like the visual of the mural where it's like one doll's gone, five dolls are gone, all the dolls are gone. Like <laughs> and the effects of the dolls they were stop motion, but that worked because they're dolls. Yeah. I thought like. The effects of this movie, I was expecting this to be like kind of janky, and it wasn't janky because it was lower budget and it was the 90s. So really, there's only one effect in there that I think doesn't work, and it's at the end of the film where there's a tongue that comes out of... Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's actually, but that's only it's actually because, animated. Yeah, that's yeah. only, I think, because CGI was so shitty back then that uh, they it saw was spawn. hard to... Yeah. They, know, they know what happened. Yeah. So, but I mean, literally, that's the only thing effects-wise that I can really like thumb my nose at too. But I mean, it's, again... Flick your tongue out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, it all works really well. Yeah. Um, 
and it'll be interesting for you to watch Trilogy of Terror and maybe com- compare and contrast this. Oh, since sure. We've now decided that uh, that's where we're going. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, I, <laughs> I'm just making it just right now. You know, we're just going to do it. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I've just never seen it, and yeah. it's like I feel like you know what? Why not? We're doing anthology stuff, sure. and I've talked enough about Twilight Zone, and you mentioned it. Just, just do it. It'll be great. Um, so, last segment is called Hardcore Convert. Um, I this one I felt like was the weakest, but also had the strongest imagery. Yeah. So it's a weird, weird division of like I don't know if I like the story, but not, like the actual like beat for beat story, I don't know if I cared for, but the imagery was like you're like it was horrific, and it, it's about a guy who was like you know a gang member gets involved in a shootout, ends up like killing killing some gang members and like whatever ends up in prison, and he's given the option of like this like um, process to be re- rehabilitated. So Very clockwork up, orange. Yeah, and he ends up in like a, a like a science lab that's run by like coal or steam. I don't know. Like it was the most horrific looking, like like um, Captain America was put in like a little bit more favorable conditions, not by much. Like when they did the, the fighter rays, and they strap him down and like they put him through this process, and it becomes like almost this music video to um, the song "Born to Die." I think it is where it's him being flashed with like imagery, like behavioral imagery. And well, I forgot to mention the bit with the white supremacist that he's like. I think that's the most powerful part. Yeah, part of the this segment. So I'll say that right now. So he's put in like you know not cage, but like well, it's a small prison cell. So you might as well say a cage. Yeah, next to a guy who is a white supremacist, and like they're having this argument about like, well, he's basically the the supremacist. Like, oh, you're part of my army and all this stuff, and he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, okay, what color was the skin of the people that you killed? And he and he didn't answer, and he's like, huh. I like you. And it was like, oh, no. Like, yeah. it was just, just, God damn it. It's like this guy, it's like, oh, he, he felt like he could have been in, like, the background of American History X. Like, it he was felt so. felt like he could have been a character. I don't know if, did you ever watch Oz? No, but I, yeah, I know what you're okay. saying. Okay, Oz, um, for as much as we love J.K. Simmons and, you know, his roles as, like, you know, J. Jonah Jameson. And the m M&M. and And the m M&M. m uh, he's also like one of the most terrifying white supremacists on a TV show that I've ever seen. Um, his character, I think, is Vern Schillinger, and I haven't revisited the show recently. But like every week, it was just like, oh god, that guy, that guy's got to be like a, he's got to be really like, there's something wrong with that guy. I don't know how he did that show as long as he did without like. Do you think there's a supercut out there of people taking his dialogue and putting into Eminem commercials? <laughs> Well, I know that uh, I think it was Billy West, who's the voice of Fry on Futurama. Yeah. And I realize I'm um, going off. Was uh, his wife had a similar reaction? Uh, they were watching uh, Oz, and he's like, "That guy, he's he's the voice of the the yellow M and M. Like, he's like he's he's not a really he's not that guy in real life, and like he's an actor. And but yeah, um, this that guy would have easily fit into Oz if you've ever watched that show. Yeah, but it was like one of those things of just like, shit, he has a... It's not that he has a point in the sense of like, like, oh, he wins the argument, but it's more like, consider what you're doing and like, yeah. are you like, you know, like, are we that different? You know, and it's like, I, again, this film went there. I was I was surprised by it, and it was it was interesting to think about and something to chew on. So then he, the, the main character, his name is uh, Crazy K, um, he ends up like um, going through this this treatment process where he's being shown all this imagery of like lynchings and like murders of, of African Americans and 
Um, the film doesn't point punches because it shows a lot of real photos and yeah. things. And it's like, and you hear the song Born to Die while this is all going over top of all this. And it was like, that segment also, we talk about like, I, they talk about the workman-like thing of uh, Rusty Cundiff, the editing of this is just nauseating and and the 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 way it wants to be the way it's supposed to be presented where it's like are we done yet nope keep going there's more and it just keeps going 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 and it's like it is horrific and it's like this goes from being like oh this is a fun horror anthology that has things to say to crap like this is like you know this is the what they're what we're showing here is not a horror film this this is horrific what like you need to consider what has happened and then after that, they do like depri- um, was it deprivation um, sensory deprivation? So, yeah, uh, therapy. And he he has there's there's also a sequence there with the the strobe lights that actually works really well, where he's confronted with all the people that he's killed, and he's like very standoffish. And like the doctor keeps saying, you know, you have the option of either like getting better and moving past this or not. And it's and um and one of the victims that comes forward is a small girl who's like your bullet came through the house and hit me like what do you say to me and he was, you can see he's like well I didn't mean that that's not but doesn't matter that's that's the your action still had that consequence yeah and it's, it's like very powerful I just feel like the way it kind of wrapped up and ended was kind of flat but the well, I imagery think it's also because it's it's wrapped into the wraparound that we're going yes. to have at the yeah, end yeah. of the film that, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to add about that. I, I agree in the sense that, like, yeah, maybe it's the weakest of the four stories, but at the same but time... But has the strongest things to say? Yeah. Like, it's, like, like the strongest it's, imagery? Like it's, it's really hard to be, like, everything's really good. Like, I think I mentioned this about Creepshow. Like, a lot of times, anthologies can be a mixed bag where, like, some stories are better than others. They're all really good. Maybe this one's slightly... Less, oh yeah i know like yeah i mean like, if, if all the not, rest are an a this is like a b you yeah. know it's like it's not it's not bad it's just like the whole and then i woke up type of ending that i'm like eh, i don't know if i like it's not the same it's not exactly the same but it, it's not far off from that kind of ending right. um you know whatever like i just i didn't i don't like that whole like i'm gonna take you on this journey and did it happen like i just for an anthology i don't necessarily need that right. i don't think sure. especially since all of them had like a resonance this one was more like it was a journey but whatever i mean that's a quibble that is not like that's not telling people yeah. to not watch the film um but then we get to like the ending where it's like you turn out these you know the drug guys that were there trying to get like the drugs i i will say this there's the bit i loved it wasn't shown directly except once, but then it kept being shown as it was happening was with the, um, the, the undertaker guy, um, Clarence Williams third, um, as Mr. Sims, whenever he was walking further and further, he kept touching the light bulbs and not actually pulling the pole chain. And they kept turning on. Like he did it once, like directly in front of the camera. And then he started walking away and just touching them mm-hmm. almost absentmindedly. That's such a cool effect. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, his performance is, is it's easy to say, like, oh, it's over the top, but man. But it's he, supposed to be. It's you know, supposed like, to be, and you can tell he's really relishing the role. And just that visual of, like, like oh, wait, that doesn't, like, he's just talking like nothing has nothing is going on, like everything's okay. Like, just rambling and talking to them, but he's touching these light bulbs. And it's like, anybody there am I be like, that's not how that works. Right. You know? And he's also, he's done in the same vein as, and again, you already pointed out, he is really a Crypt Keeper. But like, you know, the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, maybe he's not as quippy, but he's got that wry sense about him. Yeah. Also, 
um, you know, I, I was thinking of um, the EC comics themselves with the old witch and um, oh, there were three characters. There was the Crypt Keeper, the old witch, and I'm, I'm blanking on the third. The, the wardrobe. Oh. The Vault Keeper. Um, and they all had that sort of feel about them. And uh, I, I really, it's a shame that they didn't get to do more of these with him. And yeah. And I no, haven't you're, seen you're, the second one. Yeah. But again, knowing where we're going with our next movie, I I can't help but think that like this is the Tales from the Crypt movie that we should have gotten. Because the next thing that we talk about, I also really like, but it's not an anthology film, no, oddly it, it, enough. It's anthology adjacent. I yeah. feel like it qualifies. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tease that a little bit further. And it's, we get that's also a good movie, but I feel like this is... <laughs> for what a Tales from Kip movie should be. This is easily the best one. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting to like this just based upon everybody else's like, like, hey, we missed this, but it's great. And it's like one of those things where it's like I could either come into something and be like, nah, you know, maybe. But I was thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. And mm. the fact that it had like a lot more on its mind, like that will go a lot further for me, you know, like. Well, I also can't help but think like I, I, I think about how people, and it's it's not a bad thing, but you know, with Get Out, it just blew up, and like I can't help but wonder, like God, I wish I wish this would have blown up in a similar fashion. Yeah, and it's just just it's just as relevant. Yeah, you know, like and yeah, that's that's a good, that's exactly yeah, that's a good point. So yes, um, Tales from the Hood. Uh, like not the greatest name, but it's it's in line with what has come before, and it's paying homage. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a wicked like sense of dark humor through all of it, and has a, a very very much socially relevant things to talk about for for good and for bad, and the bad being that's still going on. Um, highly recommend it. Again, I know I put a bunch of spoilers at the beginning. If you guys have, have not seen this yet. Even if we're getting through some of like you know the punchlines of things, it's still a movie worth watching. Check it out. I'm glad Steve suggested this for our spooky October. I really, really, really enjoyed this film. Yeah, I'm glad I I uh, uh, suggested this as well. Yeah, there you go. So all right, um, <laughs> so that's going to do it for our talk about Jeff from the Hood. Uh, before we move on to figuring out what costume Steve is going to get for this Halloween. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook and Invasion of the Podcast. You guys can find us on invasionofthepodcast.com where there are blog posts. Um, no new ones recently. I'm going to get to it. I promise. Just, yeah. Um, it's, I've, I've been a shithead. I've not added anything new in the past couple of months, but it's going to happen. But there, but if you want to look, there's like two and a half years worth of stuff on there. And by two and a half years, I mean a blog post like once a month. So you guys can read about Westerns that I may or may not like knockoff films with some fun gifts and some canon films so far. And I did not know this until yesterday when I wrote about American Ninja and our wonderful, lovely uh, Michael Dudikoff shares birthday with Steve. Yeah. I mean, up until now I'd always associated myself with Chevy Chase and uh, Matt Damon, who both, both also I, I almost share, posted something about Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, my, uh, which is funny because uh, on our honeymoon when we went to L.A., we with were, Matt Damon. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. No, we were uh, walking around uh, the uh, the Chinese theater where all the handprints are and everything, and there was Matt Damon's handprint, oh. and I put my handprint in, and I was like, oh, you know, we're born on the same t- same year, or the, the, same, the day. same day, and uh, we I've got the same size, uh, shoe size and handprint, and my wife was going to, she took a photo of me with my hand in it, and the caption was going to be, I'm effing Matt Damon, not really. Because I, yeah. you know, yeah, 
there was a whole uh, Jimmy Kimmel bit, if I'm over-explaining the joke, about uh, his former girlfriend, Sarah Silverman, wanting to F Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. So um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the comedy police coming right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so, the Matt Damon police. Like, how dare short. you? Yeah, I am not Matt Damon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I share a birthday with um, Ed Wood. Um, nice. I share a birthday with David Lee Roth. Nice. I share uh, scissor kicks for everyone. Yeah, I share a birthday with uh, Mario Lopez. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like so, yours is the eighth. Mine's the tenth. The ninth was um, Scott Bakula, uh, which I've, I've I've known, and also John Lennon. So I'm like, why couldn't I've had the ninth? <laughs> like John Lennon versus David Lee Roth. I feel like that's something, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, that's the, so. There's a blog invasion of the podcast.com. You guys can find us on wherever you get your podcast, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, um, Stitcher, Podbean. If you find us where you guys listen to us, rate and review us. That'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you aside from the fact that you are also friends with Matt Damon? Uh, you can find me on uh, the Saturday Night Slasher dot com. You can find me on Instagram under the Saturday Night Slasher and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. Uh, if you want to buy a comic or maybe some artwork or a sticker or a pin, go to the Art of the Slash on Etsy and buy some things. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, um, we're gonna go on to uh, our game here and figure out what Steve needs uh, to wear for Halloween. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> so, um, I, I think you did a game with me last year, the year before, about like uh, costumes, like on like Spirit Store. I think you did that with me about like what was available and like you did a whole I believe tree. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I'm a hack and uh, I decided I was going to do a costume thing this year because I know you've been stressed. And you haven't figured out what you're wearing for Halloween yet. I know you haven't. So um, I decided what I was going to do is in the spirit of all those things, because like anything is like dyslexic supermodel or whatever they all are. So I decided. <laughs> dyslexic supermodel is a costume? I, maybe. We don't know. Um, so this is like like the modifier, and this is like the person or object. There's oh, nice. two There's two tens. So mix them up. There's 15 here, and you're going to pull one one and one and tell me you might want to mix them up a little bit more determined here. Um, what you, You're going to pick them all out. So go go orange first and then oh. green. So orange is the like the modifier of like you know the emotion or the activity, and then the green is the person occupation. All righty. So the first one is meth-fueled. Meth-fueled. Okay. Nice. I like it. I like it already. Meth-fueled... Ghost. Oh well, you don't see that very often. He, di he died in a meth explosion. <laughs> so yeah, I I think what we should do, like you got to pick your favorite of all fifteen, and, and then my my hope would be that you do a quick sketch of whatever that costume was supposed to be. <laughs> all right. So you're gonna pick a, a oh, like, uh, whatever whatever word you want to do, just one and one. So, all righty. Yeah. So next one here, I've got. He folds these up so nicely. Uh, vaping, ooh, it's a it's a vaping something. Vaping ghost would have been good. That vaping ghost would have been good. Yes, a vaping douchebag. Um, no, um, <laughs> I think I know what I'm drawing. It's vaping Jesus. <laughs> He's full of the Holy Spirit. 
These man. are all costume ideas you guys can use at home, too, just so you're aware. Vaping Jesus. I think that should be a real costume. All righty. Uh, somewhat annoying, which is how most people describe me. Uh, somewhat annoying... Sailor? I don't know. <laughs> not all so these are winners, but he's just like he just won't shut up about like knots. He's, he's, so he's a cross between Popeye and the uh, sa- the uh, old seaman. I was thinking from- of uh, what's his name, Steve from Scoops Ahoy. <laughs> that, that should be your, you should be <laughs> you should dress up. I've seen some Scoops Ahoy cosplay already, so that would be great. Well, let's just say that uh, if things work out, my. Uh, my costume, maybe from uh, next Sunday, AD. Um, Vaping Jesus. Naughty. Naughty. That's always the modifier you want to put for any costume, right? Anything can be sexy or naughty. Did you see the the naughty Mister Rogers? Y- yeah. Like, do, have you seen Mean Girls? The film Mean Girls. Yeah. I like the whole thing. It was like where it's like you just gotta keep dressing slutty and put a cat like an animal name. And it was like, uh, <laughs> oh, what's her name? The girl with the huge eyes. Um, oh shoot. Um, See, this one doesn't work, so I'm gonna uh, put it back because it's an actual costume. So it's naughty. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. That's Fair okay. enough. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. She's like, I'm a cat, and it's like all you're wearing is like ears and like lingerie. Yes. <laughs> this one, I guess, kind of fits the Joker. Naughty clown. Naughty clown. Yeah. 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 So I I did try to put some like what you would what you would assume in both. And I was hoping that maybe they wouldn't match up, but it sounds like something something did. So, all righty. So hemorrhaging. Oh, geez. <laughs> this could be really bad. Hemorrhaging. What? What's your costume? Hemorrhaging. Hemorrhaging ninja. I. Well, he didn't win. <laughs> he didn't win. Are you the American ninja? No, I'm the that's, hemorrhaging that's, um, ninja. Not, that's the. That's who Michael Dudikoff faced off against. Was the hemorrhaging ninja. <laughs> Already depressed. I'm already that. So, um, depressed Batman. Oh, I'm the Ben Affleck Batman. Oh, that's, that's more of a Christmas costume. <laughs> depressed Batman. That's pretty much all Batman. I was going to write out uh, seasonal affective disorder, but I'm just like, that's too many words. But then other stuff I wrote had too many words. So, depressed. Oh, God. Racist. <laughs> Find out what goes with that. Racist. Uh, oh, racist pirate. Well, that's that's actually probably pretty fair. Oh, like, yeah. He hates anything land-dwelling. <laughs> All righty. So you don't want to dress up as a racist pirate? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't really want to be a racist anything. Oh, that, that's fair. <laughs> Uh oh, insane! Wow, in the membrane. Insane. That's a reference to Tales from the Hood. They made that reference. They yes. did. Ooh, I think I had one squeak out, so we'll grab that. I had a one fall out. Insane owl. Oh, I, I don't know what differentiates he, a sane owl from an insane just, owl. He he's asking who. As I do think to stating who. <laughs> I do think uh, you know uh, meth addled owl might have been more interesting. <laughs> That's how they stay up all night. <laughs> That's why their eyes are always and they don't out. have teeth already. So whatever. <laughs> Bla- hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for hashtag blessed Jesus, but that didn't happen. Uh, hashtag blessed banana. 
So for our wedding, my wife, uh, so she, before we got married, she'd always talk about like couples costumes or whatever. And I was just like, I think couples costumes are stupid. She's like, how about we do the gorilla and the banana? And I was like, no. And her friends bought us the gorilla and banana uh, costume. So the following year we had to wear them. Um. I mean, I don't mind like I, like, cus- like like for the one party we went to your place. We did the I did the the Rick and the Evil Morty, which mm-hmm. is the, like Mary was dressed up as Evil Morty. I was like, that's fine. And then like the for Comic Con, we did the you know um, oh butterscotch as uh, Professor Chaos and her as the the coon. And it's like that's fun too. But yeah, like the whole like oh we're gonna do the pun. I don't know how I feel about that. Like I yeah. see some of that where I'm like. I don't know. Some of that seems kind of lame. Yeah, she's a giant bowling ball, and, and I'm a pin or whatever. Yeah. I'm a gutter. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. Um, I I love my wife, but I, she has a she she has a much more punny approach to yeah. Halloween costumes than I do. So. As long as you guys don't have like her wearing a Netflix shirt and then you just walking out the bag of ice, so you can be uh, Netflix and chill. Please don't do that. God no. Okay, so what we got next here? This, this is this is the winner here. This one here, I've got boring nurse. So <laughs> it's just a nurse. Yeah, you picked nurse earlier, I know. It was naughty nurse. And I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, boring nurse, where it's like, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to die. <laughs> but I don't care. Alcoholic. Oh, that's a that's a good one right there. I say it so happily. <laughs> Alcoholic. I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever, yeah. Uh, alcoholic cat, which uh, I I think that's uh, isn't that the that's Heathcliff. <laughs> I was gonna say the cat from uh, um, Bloom County, but I don't think he's actually an alcoholic. No, I don't think he's a. St- I think he went to a dryer too many times. So an alcoholic cat. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, next one here I've got is rabid. See, that would have been a cat costume that right there. Been yeah. good. Or Jesus, but you've already <laughs> pulled Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Rabid garbage man. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, if, if, I, I guess I don't know what that means. I think I mean, naughty garbage man would have been better. <laughs> They're not all winners, so you don't. That's why I said you choose one out of the fifteen. I'm not saying all fifteen are winners. I mean, vaping Jesus right now is is definitely the front runner. <laughs> that's just the costume available at every hot topic. Not hot topic. Sorry, Spencer's. Spencer's has vaping Jesus right now. All right, so hangry, which I'm often hangry anyway. Um, hangry unicorn. Ooh, what is, oh. a, what is a unicorn hungry for, though? A human flesh. I don't know. Oh, yeah. wow. That I can see. All right, we're down to the bottom two. And uh, while vaping Jesus is in the lead, who knows, we might pull one out. <laughs> All righty. Happy, which I'm most of the time not. Uh, happy wrestler oh <laughs> isn't that the uh the the oh god what are their names uh i want to call them the thunderbirds but they're not the thunderbirds <laughs> they're the uh oh god the like oh man the new day yes yeah, thank you the new day are happy and they believe in the power of positivity and pancakes <laughs> i can't argue with that all right last one this might be it i don't know Hello, new day and thunderbirds where are I, they? I knew where you were going with it yeah <laughs> Uh. All right. I know who's left. <laughs> oh, sexy. 
sexy. Oh no, this is I, oh no, this is horrible. I, here before you even before you even read this. All right. Game over, yeah! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Sexy three kids standing on top of each other while wearing a trench coat. <laughs> no, if you can find no. a way to make that sexy. No, boy, I can't. Oh boy. Nope. No. 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 Nope. That's not what I was hoping for. I don't know. This is this is this is uh, some bad some bad science. Uh, yeah. So okay. Uh, so your so your favorite one that you, easily vaping. was vaping Jesus. <laughs> so if a sketch of that shows up, that would be amazing. I, I will I will see what I can do this weekend. I, I mean, it would be even better if it was a sketch of you as vaping Jesus. <laughs> but just a vaping Jesus, I will take. All right. Uh, yeah, that's Steve's costume. Probably not. Uh, um, so that's going to do it for uh, for us this week. Next week, continuing on our spooky October, we're still doing anthology, kind of. You mentioned Tales from the Crypt earlier. We're going to yeah. be watching um, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Yes. So they actually, they, Tales from the Crypt tried to branch out and actually t- like do individual films. We'll talk about the success of that. Um, you know, uh, spoilers, I enjoy Demon Knight a great deal. When you mentioned watching this again, I'm like, hell yeah. So... Um. Yeah, we're gonna watch Demon Knight. We're gonna talk about that. It's gonna William Sanderson's in it. I think William Sandler. Sadler. Sadler. Sadler sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, young uh, Jada Pinkett, not Smith, is yeah. in it. Uh, we have the voice of Roger Rabbit is in it. Um, we have uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, this was during his Lowell slash Wings yeah. period, and this was Billy Zane. Um, before he was in Zoolander. Uh, so yeah, this is the this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, Charles Fleischer as uh, he was the disgruntled postman in yeah. this film. Yeah, so yeah, I love Demon Knight. We're going to talk about Demon Knight. It's going to be fun. So hope you guys have a good week. I hope you guys please, 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 if you've not watched Tales from the Hood, watch it. If you've seen it and but not seen it recently, watch it again. It's a, it's a great film to watch. And um, have a good week and enjoy. No, no oh, we're not going yeah, anywhere right. yet. Sorry. It's, oh man, it's uh, it's literally an hour before paul's birthday okay and uh i have given him a little something here that he's going to open up here i did not go fancy and wrap it i put it in a gift bag gift bag but i saw it and thought of him it it feels like it feels like a candle from bed bath and beyond it's a bunch of mouse traps. It's about so much about. It's actually just a bowl full of grapes and spaghetti. And it's like, oh, it's the old witch's <laughs> eyes and brain. Oh, it is a figure of a sorts. Uh, it's not a figure. It, it is. What is a figure? Holy shit! This is amazing. It is a mock-up of Darnell's garage, the do-it-yourself garage, with the 1958 Plymouth Fury, known as Christine. Oh can't polish a turd oh this is uh <laughs> this is amazing oh thank you and i feel bad because i just missed there was a midnight showing of this at the cedar lee uh this past well, that's weekend what made me i saw it and i was oh. like oh that's perfect for you you were oh, just talking about is, going to see christine yeah, and i didn't do it because i was a piece of shit and i was playing borderlands <laughs> um 
no, this is awesome. And then the, I was thinking of the, the the Plymouth Fury when we were watching Tales from the Hood because the one guy was driving a car. I was like, is that a Plymouth Fury? And it wasn't. Yeah. But it looked a lot like it. So it makes me wonder if Rusty Cundiff was not trying to like some like, Christine yeah. vibe. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you. And now I didn't get you anything. So That's, it's um, not a competition. It's not a competition, but you won. <laughs> um, oh, there's the Ghostbusters car in this too. That's cool. Like in terms of like what this the johnnylightning.com yeah. series. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you very much. So um, I guess I'll have to put a picture of this so you guys can see what I have and you don't. I'll put this up on the Facebook. I this the fact that it's in Darnell's garage makes me very happy. Like that's <laughs> Yeah, I thought the the fact that it comes with like a diorama is is uh, that's awesome. a good selling point. Yeah, and then uh buddy buddy Rydell and his group isn't going to come in and bust up the car and take a shit on the dash. And I'm not going to let that happen. Um yeah, no, this is awesome. This car will not self-heal itself unfortunately. <laughs> not unless I love it enough. Yeah. You know, that's what's going on. No, that's amazing. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a surprise to gifts aside, this is the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, watch the film. And Our then, gift to you is the episode's over. Yeah, the episode's <laughs> over. And also, Vaping Jesus, hashtag blessed, hashtag Vaping Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for um, uh, Demon Knight. And in the meantime, um, just just enjoy, I don't know, the spirit of Halloween. I got nothing. Yep. Steve has nothing either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say happy Halloween Again happy Halloween Trick or treat I said trick or treat Give me something good to eat Trick or treat Trick or treat Give me something good to eat Halloween is coming, what are you gonna do? Dress up as a ghost and say boo? Halloween is coming, what are you gonna be? A pirate, a princess, a bumblebee? Halloween is coming, what are you gonna wear? A scary mask, long blonde hair? Halloween is coming, where are you gonna go? To a haunted house, a horror movie show? What are you gonna do on Halloween night? Carve a pumpkin, howl at the moonlight? Will you gobble down goodies till you're feeling sick? Or ride through the sky on a broomstick? What are you gonna be for Halloween? Batman a witch, a fairy queen? Are you going to go out to trick or treat? And bring home a bag full of candy to eat. Happy Halloween. Come on, happy Halloween. Trick or treat. I 
I said trick or treat. Give me some. 